0: previously on Parfix Weekly. And welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I enjoy <laughs> long walks on the beach.
1: Hello, I'm
2: Jen. I'm Jen.
1: <laughs> My name is Jen.
2: I didn't want to tell you, but I wrote a smut about you. <laughs> I, I'm like feeling very <sighs> distressed. Lady Chi here. <laughs> I'm not made of stone.
1: I have cats that I am throwing away. Anna is in the house. I'm a hat rack. I'm um, Kessa. Hello. Where are you We'll use the shower to wash ourselves <laughs> I'm PS I don't know where I saw what the this food came from but I never thought that there were still farms
3: Mike Mike you never say I'm Mike you're going to invest, invest in Canadian or Russian shipping all of the ice is going to melt in northern Canada yeah. and it's going to open up new shipping lanes.
0: if northern Canada melts would that not
3: flood the world and kill us
0: all
1: these are really stupid people like I have a lot to learn from these people Boy, I and girls. <laughs>
0: There's a thing called erectile dysfunction.
1: Oh, my
4: God. Yeah,
0: but there's also a thing called <laughs> patrificus totalis. So- Perfect weekly, not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> Who wants to see Hermione as a trial lawyer?
2: As a tribal warrior? <laughs> I've
1: been here the whole time, but I can't remember what was just said. <laughs> oh, my God. I love Hello. the
0: fact that she's Australian. The art.
1: This is a bit moment, and you're mocking my accent. A mother-in-law is evil. She got cat i'm very very allergic to cats and my (laughs) mother-in-law is evil and she knows this
4: and she got a damn cat
2: how many virgins can successfully ravage anybody he's harry potter come on he's a skinny (laughs) awkward kid who we
0: think has eds no no no
1: we don't think
0: that you think (laughs) poor bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning (laughs) Okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals.
1: I wore a really big hat. I should be Harry Ginny. I write Harry Ginny. I read Harry Ginny. and Harry, not really my thing.
4: Putting aside the question of sexual orientation.
1: On Saturday, September 13th at 11.21 p.m., I fell so madly in love you won't even believe it with Harry Ginny. I think I just peed my pants. Please say that again. I felt something click inside of me. And the second half of my life began. She really does love them. This is
3: like the Manhattan Project.
1: Sorry, I'm so sorry. Oh, come here. I'm so sorry. Come here. <laughs> I just, I just kicked my dog in the head. I peeled my whole fingernail off once when I was a child. First time I ever learned what an erection was. Seriously, I remember this very distinctly. Harry
0: is both a spy and a department head. George shot Justin a significant glance. From oh, a memory chart, and never room.
1: <laughs> Shalom. You have
2: reached Puff was residence. Jew. she He's has like, like a whole sound system <laughs> i don't have a sound system <laughs> she sounds a little aggravated <laughs> are you a little creaky For <laughs> a
1: god line. if you ever 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 make me cover a story with butt sex babies i will kill you
0: now neither can live one while one. the other survives
1: what does that mean
3: how does that mean does it kill the other
4: and jen's like yeah i like looking at female butts more too
0: <laughs>
3: so
1: what women are beautiful doesn't make me gay you thought jen got
3: pregnant on a boat i've realized this podcast that Ryan just lies to me non stop. And
4: now, uh, Parfit Weekly.
3: It's him! It's him! It's him! I was born without wisdom teeth because I'm a higher state of human development. Hold on, you
0: are the future of mankind?
1: Why is it always me? Why is it never she You never talk about cheese breasts.
0: P.S.'s breasts are a fixture of Parfit Weekly.
3: I-, I got into a fight with a pit bull I was hitting it over the head with a lawnmower once. My grandfather likes loves troubled pit bulls that are in kennels for like because they're psycho pit bulls, and he takes them in and he doesn't train them. He just has like a pack of them. This was a while back. This would be like eight years ago. He has me over. I'm going to mow his lawn for him in the back because he can't do it because he has a bad hip. And my grandmother, who was still a lot of time and had Alzheimer's, she forgot I was there. And so she opens the door to let these dogs out. And all these dogs <laughs> hate me. They're, like, in a big circle around me, like, lunging at me. And I'm, like, spinning the lawnmower and hitting them with it. And one of them, I, I used to wear, like, really baggy jeans, like, kind of like the, the, like the white guy with the ghetto jeans. And it ripped my pants off and I was hitting it. like literally. See, like, like, so you're I,
0: in your underwear whacking dogs with a long it, was, it,
3: ripped off, it ripped off the left leg, so like it was like, I had the right... When I went home, I had to go home like, I had the right leg of my jeans but not the left leg of my jeans.
1: <laughs> you should have just ripped them off and made it be shorts.
3: I, I, I probably should have. I said I just went back with half shorts, half jeans. I knew, look, It was quick thinking on my part, because I guess I I didn't even have time. It's like a split second. I'm, like, whacking the dogs. Yeah, if it wasn't for the lawnmower, I really would have been dead. Like, I'm sure, because they don't don't let go once they bite. So if it had got in, like, my flesh instead of my jeans, you know. Hey, Ryan, how long can I keep an egg before I have to throw it out? I don't know why this just occurred to me, but I'm thinking about this. I think if I traveled to Europe and I had to travel with someone from PFW, I'd want Ryan. If I was traveling to South America, I'd want Chi. And if I was traveling to Asia, I'd want P.S. I'm not sure about Africa. or oh, no, Australia. Want- why
0: <laughs> would you want to bring Chi to South America with you, if you don't mind my asking?
3: She seems like the sort of person who would be good to go on sort of like long hiking trips with, see like places in the jungles and that sort of thing. Like It seems like a Chi sort of thing. Like she'd be a cool person to go hiking, camping with i like know how to survive
0: hold on i'm typing to her now
3: mike wants you to vacation with
1: why do you want to take me to asia South-
3: well because he yeah. speaks japanese so i could go to japan and have a translator
1: well japan is
2: not all of asia
3: well no but it's better but, than nothing i don't know anyone who speaks chinese on the forum
2: but the thing is p.s if you can read japanese you can mm. read the signage in chinese no mm. i
1: can't i can i can see that is a that is a big myth
2: it's well, no, okay. There's some similarity.
1: I think you just have to define read Chinese.
2: No, not reading it in a fluent way, but like, hey, this is going to have food here. You know, hey, here is the oh, exit. Yeah, well, I, yeah you know. I can
1: travel Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's nothing. That's think... like that's that's like knowing exit in English and like exito in Spanish.
3: You know what? I take I take the spellcast guy if I was going in Africa. What's his face? Okay, can we learn his name? <laughs> that dude from spell. <laughs> Where would you take Robert? He'd be my Africa person. Kez would be my Australia person. She would you take Southern. Robert to Africa with you? I don't know. I, I get that vibe. I could see that. Him in Africa. And it like, would make me look cool in perspective, I think.
0: He's a rich white guy from California.
3: <laughs> I'm not sure why you think he'd be helpful. Because <laughs> he'd let... He'll- he like he get all the attention. I'd be kind of like the cool person on the side. You could take,
1: you could take me to Africa because I like animals.
3: There's no animals in uh, Asia.
0: And I wouldn't take Chi to South America. I don't know why, but I have this weird feeling she get caught up in like the
3: Colombian drug trade or something. I don't know That's exactly
4: she what Chi, I was going to say.
3: Can't see like Chi like chopping through a rainforest to like some ruin in the middle of the rainforest. Hmm. She bitches in the grocery store. I don't think I can see that. But she has survival skills. Like Chi could survive.
4: I need a mommy. I need a mommy. I need
2: a mommy. No,
4: she could
1: not survive.
3: You say that, but she's the the person where, like, she's the person where you're like, oh, she'd never survive. But, like, everyone else dies and she's still there at the end.
0: No, that's me. She podcasts from a fluffy, lazy boy recliner (laughs) with, like, 14 bottles of water next to her.
3: Because she she likes, you know, to be comfortable in her house. But if she had to, she would out-survive us in South America. I'm
0: convinced. Hold on. She wants to know how I got to go to the place without malaria. Hold on. Mike <laughs> is now insisting that you have strong survival
3: skills. and would
1: be... Just well wants me to be a dictionary.
3: More. Did I ever tell you guys my deer in the city idea? Mm. What's that? Oh, okay, but it's not a uh, deer. It's you're really rich, right? And you kidnap like uh-huh. 10,000 deer. And you ship them to the middle of like, preferably a city like New York City where it's an island. So like, you put them in the backs of vans, you drive like a thousand vans into New York City, and you release like 10,000 deer at like 5 a.m. in the morning, and then like you have like but a they deer. But have bridges, day. the deer can get, the deer can get off. I mean, Mike, that's bridges.
1: terrible.
3: But how many deer are gonna walk across the bridge, especially with the
1: They'll be hit problem? by cars.
3: Imagine how cool that would be Turn the news on and they're like showing New York City and there's like 10,000 deer running everywhere and they cancel school because of the deer. Once they find the bridge,
0: I think Brooklyn is screwed.
4: It's quite like this One that brought us together And started its own forum list Where the hosts are all our friends All the stories told by Jen Will it drive Ryan round the bend Perfect Weekly, where the story never ends. Mm.
0: Welcome back to Perfect <laughs> Weekly, this is Ryan. I'm P.S. Mike. And this is Onley. Mike, did you just salute me? I'm just curious.
3: Yeah, I did. I did a little salute with my fingers. Oh, good
0: God. <laughs> uh, what the hell was that noise that just came? P.S. is like having a stroke over there. It's very concerning
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just frustrated that there are just some things you can't teach him.
0: Oh, well, you know what? We have like 88 episodes to go, so we'll work on him a little bit each week. So we are back this week. P.S. is back. P.S. is a full-time host. I'm not really Ah. sure what that means, but P.S. is all excited. Look at her. She's waving. She's clapping. This is wonderful. I did
1: wave. I did wave.
0: Oh, God. This is like the charades episode of Perfect Weekly. And omly's back. We gave omly what, 25 solid minutes of preparation time before this podcast. So omly <laughs> is back with us this week. And we are going to be discussing death rolls. They shook hands. We're going to wrap the first year uh, the Sorcerer's Stone slash Philosopher's Stone, and we're going to move to Chapter 9 of uh, Chamber of Secrets. I'm not sure if anyone knew this before they started reading the chapters, but Quirrell did it. I'm not sure. I, just, I didn't want to, you know, break any secrets right there, but we're going to we're going to be covering that. Uh, Lady Chi is not here with us this week. Lady Chi is going to be off for a little bit doing some work-related stuff. I would like to say, though, to Lady Chi... There was once a day that Lady Chi needed me for something. She was sitting around her computer, and she realized that she needed me right away. So she called me, and that would have been fine if it weren't 4 o'clock in the morning. So, of course, I promptly ignored her phone call, and Lady Chi you know, just kept calling me until I picked up the phone. So that became the little gag that, you know, I'm up at 4 in the morning, call me anytime. So earlier this week... Now I get up for work at like 5 o'clock in the morning. So I'm sitting at my desk at work. And she sends me a text message with her new phone number at like 7... 30 in the morning and then she goes oh hope i didn't wake you up because you know she meant to so here's my new thing i'm sending lady chi a text message every hour on the hour for the next three days love you chi hurry back soon so that's my story of the week how's everybody doing i just scared the podcast it's okay come back up it's all right i was was trying
1: to think of something interesting that i've done but you got nothing? No, I
0: got nothing. Alright, Mike, how are you doing? Now Mike today was trying to stump me on like the Switzerland constitution or whatever the hell Mike was. Swedish. Doing. Mike Swedish can't
1: constitution. Stump me. Mike, Mike
3: got me on popular vote. Oh yeah. Ryan got it I think Ryan got half of
0: it, right? Something like that. Mike is the guy at the party with the trivia questions. I'm not sure if anyone knows it, but whatever. I actually was laughing the other day. I was looking through my photo album. I have a picture of myself, my fiance, uh, my friend, and Mike. And the four of us are standing, but we're standing in order of height. And it's like, the only way I can describe it is it's like Kong Creevy, Ron and that was the picture. It was hysterical. <laughs> Guess who was who? So Mike has been near and dear to me for the previous week. Now I would just like to point out something here, and this is a shout out to our frequent editor Wayne. Wayne is kind of like the radar O'Reilly of Politifact Weekly. He shows up and he and he sh- and he shares things with us that we need to know. For example, if it's raining in in the Boston area and I'm like trapped in my home with the flood waters approaching, Wayne will send me a message letting me know it's raining. Raining outside, or, you know, anytime there's an update to one of my favorite stories, or anytime something happened in the forum, Wayne will deliver me like a little, like, news update, which is very helpful, because sometimes I have no earthly idea what's going on. Wayne um, is editing, at the, at the time we're recording this, the previous episode of Puffway. He's, he's editing the first episode on They Shook Hands, and he has just sent me the following message. Ryan, you made a very bad guess through the first part, and apparently everyone was laughing at you.
3: I was the one I met who told them we were laughing at you.
0: All right. So, all right. So I would just like to point out that they are laughing at me as we're recording the episode. And not only are they laughing at me behind my back, in case I missed it, they're sending me emails just to let me know what a loser (laughs) I am. So apparently in the last episode, I got on my soapbox and said something more ridiculous than Pansy Parkinson is a garden gnome. Which I don't know what Aspen was thinking, but I think that would have been a terrific plot point for a year like none other. Anyway, I digress. What?
1: If he's radar, who am I?
0: Who are you?
4: Um,
3: You yes. are really
0: like the Radar. No.
1: I thought I was Radar.
0: You actually are Radar. The The, the bigger question is, who is Wayne? Hmm. Well, know who well. Wayne is? You can be Radar. Wayne is the guy with the Jeep. Does anyone remember this guy? He w- he was like in charge of the mess tent or whatever. And you I don't even don't cha- talk
3: about it. All, uh, well, uh, Mike,
0: I kind of figured that. All right. So why don't we do this? Why don't we jump into the chapters tonight? We have a great deal to cover, all of which I'm probably going to get wrong. But you know what? Whatever. So, We're going to be starting tonight with, uh, where are we starting tonight? We're starting with year one, chapter 16, 16, and, uh, we're just going to go straight through to the end of, uh, chapter nine of, um, Chamber of Secrets. The one thing I just wanted to jump off with, uh, this week was actually some stuff that we missed from our, uh, last podcast, from the coverage that we had before. Uh, there were a couple points I didn't bring up, which I just wanted to hear, uh, there was the plot development in the first set of chapters with uh, Ron Weasley finding Harry's note and discovering that the Dursley's, um, didn't love Harry and Ron throwing it in Harry's face and Harry's like crying at the Slytherin table and you know, the Slytherins are, are are all standing behind him. I actually thought that was a great plot point. It's something that really didn't come up in canon at all. And it's actually funny when you read enough fics you actually forget what actually you know, the trio knew in, in, in the canon about Harry's life and they don't know a lot. I mean I read stories where in the seventh year ron goes to number four privet drive and only discovers there that harry was locked in the broom cupboard or uh, or the cupboard under the stairs and i just think that's a really uh, great thing to point out from the perspective of fan fiction that what we as the audience know reading through these seven books these characters don't know and sometimes it just shocks me how little they know so i thought that was a great scene and the other thing i just want to point out too is that the Slytherins guessed that Quirrell might be the bad guy, whereas the Gryffindors, not so much. They just assumed it was Snape. So just, I forgot that reading through because I knew it was Quirrell. So I forgot they shouldn't know it was Quirrell. So I just thought that was a that was an interesting change from the canon there. So those are the two points I just wanted to cover from the last set of chapters. Uh Mike, would you like to start us off today?
3: Well, I was going to ask you a question, Ryan. Um, oh, Mike,
0: go ahead. Ask me what I think happened. Come on. This is good. I just have to point this out, too, from our last round of episodes that's currently in editing right now. Mike is the brilliant one. P.S. is the new Mike, and I'm rivaling P.S. for the crown. Just throwing that
3: out there. Mike, go ahead. I don't think P.S. is actually on that episode, but... uh
0: Oh, the, anyway. one we're at, the one we're editing. It's the Melinda episode. Oh, you're right. The one that I
1: like. Um, no, I'm, look, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly serious. We can cut this out. I don't remember
0: what. Uh, there was a moment where you didn't know what farms were. Don't worry. We didn't make fun of you at all in editing. It all just right
3: under the radar. <laughs> I <sighs> was just going to ask. You. I'm reading your notes, Ryan. I was just curious. You say mm-hmm. Jenna's Elizabeth, Elizabeth Hasselback, and I'm not sure who that was. So I was just going to ask. Did I get Elizabeth. the
0: name right? Is Elizabeth Hasselback the uh, host of The View? Yes. Is I've she, never seen this. All right, No she, idea. She is a, I think I'm getting the name right if I'm not someone correct me.
4: Yeah, she that is, that is her name.
0: She is a conservative uh, commentator I should say. She's on the view with uh, Barbara Walters and, and formerly Rosie O'Donnell now it's I think Whoopi Goldberg and a few others. Um, she, she's pretty much the, the lone conservative on that morning um, show which is probably watched, you know, 80 90% by women uh, who are home in the mornings and she the day I wrote that note she had done a um, She had done an introduction for Sarah Palin, who, by the time this is airing, is either the current vice president or that woman who once ran for vice president, because we're getting these (laughs) about... We're getting these out within two months of recording.
3: Or maybe uh, she'll be uh, the Republican nominee for 2012. I'm going to make a
0: prediction here. Can I just make a prediction here, please? Uh, actually, it's not a prediction. It'd be kind of funny. Sarah Palin, at the time you're listening to this, is either the vice president, which she's not. She is the woman who ran for vice president. She may be a senator from Alaska by the time. Yeah, we I hear
1: think this she's going to be a senator from Alaska.
0: I don't think so because I don't think Stevens is going to win. But with
1: that, I think so. I, I I do.
0: I don't think you won, but we, we will see. Uh, but I think that um, she had done an introduction for Sarah Palin, and watching her give the introduction, I just literally wanted to take my own life she just has, she's one of those people that just when she talks, I literally just, she annoys me so much, I don't care if she's up there saying that children are lovely and we must cure cancer. I just, I want to disagree with her because just her, her presentation is so, you know, layered with sarcasm that it just it drives me absolutely up the wall. And it just reminded me of Jenna in the scene with Hagrid where she's playing the very sarcastic, very just you know, very slimy Slytherin character, and Jenna really isn't like that in the later chapters that we cover here. I actually love her because she's addicted to coffee more than I am, but just in that chapter with Hagrid, she's the stereotypical Slytherin that I just love to hate, and at that moment, she was reminding me very much of Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Plus, it's the blonde hair. That's all I got. So, would you like to start us off tonight, Mike? Sure.
3: Are we going chapter by chapter? Are we
0: we jumping around, or what? Uh, Why don't we do chapter by chapter and we'll see what happens.
3: Okay. I got a lot to say in year two, but I guess year one... Um, What do I have to say? I think some significant things early on is, again, you see Haggard from the other point of view, the fact that he is breaking the law, which we kind of overlook in in, in canon, because we're from the Gryffindor perspective. Um, And I think especially as we go along towards the end of year one and the beginning of year two, something which stands out more and more is that one of the, I guess, the argument uh, Death Row puts forward, or whatever you want to call it, is that you're not just seeing direct events that change because Harry's sort of Slytherin, but you're seeing a change of perspective. And this is all supposed to be, you know, correcting the feeling you see in Slytherin fandom that, oh, there's this Gryffindor bias in canon, and now we're going to have sort of the Slytherin viewpoint. So it's not just that, you know, in this scenario, I don't know, the Slytherins suspect Quirrell. It's also that, oh, the Slytherins strongly dislike Kagrim. They go to Hexum. And because that Slytherins they view Hagrid as a drunk, they can't view him positive. It's also, you know, in from the Slytherin perspective, I don't know. It goes on and on. Lucius Malfoy is not a bad guy from the Slytherin. Snape's a good guy from the Slytherin perspective, and sort of down the line.
0: Well, I think you can make an argument too that just by the like he goes out of his way to break up the trio to Hermione and Hufflepuff. I know there's apparently some more stuff with Hermione coming around the pike, and he 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 really does go the great lengths to sm- like to smash the Weasleys, smash Ron. When when you look at the breakdown between this episode and the last episode, in the last episode I was a lot more critical on the story. This episode not so much, um, and these chapters not so much because my perspective of what type of story it is changed. No, I don't know if I'm interpreting it correctly and if I'm. Not, I'm probably going to flip back. Okay, when you say you're reading, you're you're, you're presenting a story called "They Shook Hands," and and the, and the tagline implies that that the, the jump between this story and actual canon is the is the flipping of a single event. It's the flipping of what happened in Madame Malkin's shop and on apparently from what we learned last week on the Hogwarts Express. So that implies to the reader that because of that, we're going to change that one event, and then we're going to see how all the dominoes fall, and we're going to see incremental changes and how they snowball into big changes. And this is what I thought the story was going to be when it started. And this is a quote I actually got from a Star Trek fan film. Look at that. It's an old um, old proverb. For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider was lost. For want of a rider, the battle was lost. For want of a battle, the kingdom was lost. And all for the want of a horse, shoe, nail. I mean, that was what I thought the story was going to be. I thought it was going to be change one event in year one, and look what happens over seven years. And as a result of that, that was how I started to interpret the first group of chapters. And using that interpretation... I didn't like the story very much, and the reason was the the, the the characterization beyond that was was very off from what I would have expected. You you have to assume that you know maybe Harry has a weak moment and he shakes Draco's hand. Now he has a friend, so because he has a friend, he's probably going to let him get away with a little bit more than he would an enemy. And as long as he you know doesn't react too poorly to the Slytherins on the train, you know maybe he'll. Bond with this group enough, and you know he'll stay there just long enough to to, to to feel something for them, so that he'll forgive even more. And now that he's Ron's enemy, hatred there will build. And now that he's a Slytherin, hatred of him from the Gryffindors will build, and it becomes this whole thing, all because of that one decision. That's what I thought the story was going to be, and really, it really it wasn't. I found Draco's characterization, you know, wildly implausible based on that scenario. I found, you know, some some of the some of the storylines and some of the. The aspects with Snape and some of the things Harry was allowed to, you know, let slip by. I just I thought it was too much. I thought that the, the the proposition that Harry would would let all that happen was a bit too much. And what I was realizing last week in talking to Mike and you guys, and what I definitely have assumed reading these chapters, is that this is a story that completely reconstructs canon. And as canon has a Gryffindor bias, quote unquote, this story has a Slytherin bias. This is the story from the perspective of Slytherins, and the characters are not the ones that we had in canon. This is not the Lucius Malfoy from canon, this is not the Draco from canon. These characters are very different, even if Harry hadn't shaken his hands.
1: I can see that, because, I mean, I was just talking, this is a conversation Mike and I have all the time. (laughs) And I think it basically just boils down to, I don't see as much of the coloration of these characters in the canon as Gryffindor bias. I tend to, I mean, I do understand that there is some Gryffindor bias and that Harry's an unreliable narrator, but I don't think the characters of the Malfoys and Snape are that far off from how they're presented in the canon. Like, in quote-unquote real life.
3: I think what it gets down to Is I think there's a reason that, and Omelie maybe can comment on this, that so many Slytherins, and especially in the wider fandom, I think the ratio of Slytherins to Gryffindors are a lot closer to even than it is on PFW, but so many Slytherins love this sort of story, and then some of the traditionalists are a little, like, eh on it, is because... Like I would even go like I would say the argument even mostly what Ryan said only we would say probably it's not that it's a different Lucius it's that the Lucius in canon isn't the real Lucius that you're looking at Lucius from the perspective of his enemy and your enemy always has this horrible negative perspective so when you're not looking at Lucius in the perspective of an enemy but from the perspective of the best friend of Lucius's son then suddenly Lucius changes in how we perceive him I think that's but see, kind of
1: is that my thing my question is Is that really a different Lucius, or is that just a different way of looking at him? Like, do you think, Mike, that like the characters, like in this story, and the characters in canon are the same? Like, from an outsider perspective.
3: If you're asking me, my personal feeling that it's (laughs) this is sort of the opposite. Like before in canon, I think we're looking at it with the Gryffindor bias, and I think there's a lot of things in canon. I know I've talked with P.S. There's like a long list of things that sort of get overlooked or brushed aside because there are heroes. And partially because it's a children's book and we just don't really care about the details. But also largely because these are Gryffindors. And I think this book takes it to the other opposite extreme. So it's kind of like these are Slytherin biased characters. And the Slytherin opinion is biased. Like I don't think take Hagrid. Hagrid is portrayed, I think, worse in this story than he really is. Because it's the Slytherin side, sort of the other extreme. But on the other hand, all these things Hagrid does, the fact that he is breaking a law by casting magic, the fact that he's drinking, on and on. Just like sort of the things that the Gryffindors do to the Slytherins, including almost killing students a couple of times, or hissing and booing at ten-year-olds who happen to be sorted into Slytherin house. These things are sort of whitewashed. Even if you think about, I mean, I I don't want to go into this too much, but even if you think about, say, from certain perspectives, like even the the existence of an Order of the Phoenix, I mean, it's it's, from the right perspective, you could say, oh, it's a vigilante group." And we know because we see the inside workings of it that these are good people fighting for the right reasons. But from an outside perspective, I can see why someone in the ministry, say, who's not evil or just a hardworking ministry person, is going. These people are, you know, they're they're disobeying the law. They're they're taking matters into their own hands, and on and on. So I think it's that's the argument they see that it's perspective.
0: I think that we're actually using the term incorrectly, or maybe at least I am. Gryffindor bias, Slytherin bias, that definitely makes sense, you know, in the context of Harry as a Gryffindor, he sees Snape as a slimy git, whereas Draco sees Snape as something else. It's the bias of the character. I think when you look at the, um, the writing of J.K. Rowling and, and the establishment of the canon, she wrote a very Particular story. The Slytherins, aside from Draco, are all very one-dimensional. And and obviously Snape and and, you know the Malfoys. But the but the Mm. other students, other than Draco, are one-dimensional cardboard cutout evil people, because J.K. Rowling wanted them to be the bullies that tormented her when she was in school. And the Gryffindors are courageous people, and you know the Hufflepuffs you know are for most intents and purposes loyal people. I mean, she wasn't writing a very three-dimensional story At sometimes. So at some points, there were cardboard cutouts. I think that when you look at the particular characters, when you look at the character of Hermione Granger, we were talking a few weeks ago about how Melinda Leo wrote a very particular type of Hermione Granger. This was the character who... You know, she was brilliant, but she, she, you just wanted to strangle her because she would annoy you so much because she just, she was awkward socially. Other people write Hermione as the spy that Harry's having sex with every night. <laughs> I mean, it's the same, but you know I mean? People have different variations in the characters.
1: At what point, I mean, I'm really a canon Nazi and I'll say, I'll just, so I'll just ask you, at what point does it get to be wrong?
0: It can't be wrong unless it violates what you're trying to do. If you're trying to write a purely canon fic and you have Hermione Granger, you know, in, in her seventh year making out with Harry on one of the tables in the Great Hall, you've <laughs> done it wrong. If you're writing, you know, smut, okay, you might be onto something. Here. I mean, it, it depends what you're trying to do with it. You know, For P.O.U., they wanted to tell a tale about how Hermione and Harry would get together. They chose to kill Ron. They chose to put 10 years space in there to allow the characters to move around a little bit. That was fine. I mean, P.O.U. was 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 valid because that was what P.O.U. wanted to be. You know what I mean? So when you look at this one, I've read fics from, uh, we're going to cover one in a few weeks. We're covering, we're covering Lavender Brown's fic. And in that fic, there are... Slytherins who are very decent people. And there are fics that you can write where Draco Malfoy can become a decent person. I mean, if you look at the canon, at the end Draco doesn't sell Harry and Hermione and Ron out. And that may not be, you know, a positive thing. He's not going out trying to help people but he doesn't try and hurt them and that's progress. And you see Narcissa Malfoy Narcissa Malfoy saves the Wizarding World in Deathly Hallows. She alone, because she wanted to save her son, led to the salvation of the Wizarding World. You know, she's not a cardboard cutout character. So I think it's it's there, there's layers there where you can do it right. I mean, let me just to get back on track a little bit. In this story, you have a, you know it, it, it's a paradigm shift. You have this isn't Good the way story. To put it. Yeah, you like that. This the, this story represents a paradigm shift. In this story this is not the tale of you know heroic children who want to save the world. And they do it through loyalty, and they do it through friendship, and they do it through courage. Not what is easy, but what is right. You know, so on and so forth. This is a story of people who are ostracized from the very beginning, who are told you will never amount to anything, who no one trusts to amount to anything. And it tells the story of how those people will perhaps arrive at the same end goal. And it changes a lot of the characters. These children are not followers of Voldemort. They're not junior Death Eaters. It's very important. They're looking to stop Quirrell and stop Snape. They're not doing it because they want the stone for themselves. They, at one point, were going to go to Dumbledore. They want everything to be fine. They're not bad people, and that's very important. Lucius Malfoy, this is... You know, I don't want to get too deeply delicious of Malfoy, but I have a lot of thoughts on the direction that I think Death is taking him. And the way he does it has many strong repercussions and also has some drawbacks to it. And we'll get into that as we get into this. But just to say this, the, the way I'm interpreting the story now is complete retelling of the canon. Some characterizations from the canon have been erased and replaced. And this story is going in a very different direction. That's where I am right now. And if it does that and it does it well, I think it's valid. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, you can
3: look at it as a it, yeah.
0: Slytherin retelling of canon, kind of. Yeah, and we'll get into that as we get through the chapters tonight. Amelie, did you have anything you wanted to throw out
2: there? Um, I was sort of waiting for us to start going through the chapters.
0: Okay, <laughs> well, why, why don't you start us off? Uh-huh.
2: Um, so, we are starting up at Chapter 16, and this is sort of a funny place to start, because here is where they were going off the Hex Hagrid. I don't know, maybe it was because I walked away from this for several days before coming back to this, but I felt this was a little bit over the top. I don't know. Like I understand the, the, I I understood the feeling and I understood they weren't crazy about Hagrid, but all of a sudden everyone was like, let's text him. Yeah, that's a great (laughs) idea. And I just, I was like, they were so, you know, (laughs) vehement and so gung ho that I was like sort of taken aback. And I was like, maybe it's because I walked away from the story right before reading this chapter. I, I had forgotten
1: no, they were don't, going to I do that. Agree with you, and I read it straight through.
0: It, well, you no, know, yeah, it's, um, they are a little. I, I'm a little like. Uh, well, I get, I, I'm getting confused because the only other story. It I've was read like
1: creeping me out to like the point, like, um, like if I like was like another student like in the common room listening to them talk, I would be like, I'm gonna go. Called Professor
0: Snape. <laughs> you never report fellow Slytherins. It's in there. It's in the manual. But the thing I'm going to say here too is that I, you know, I've read you're like none other, and I think Aspen did a great job with with defining what it means to be a Slytherin. You are someone who is a strategist. You plan 47 steps ahead. You know, there, there was some type of style to being a Slytherin. So because this is the only other story I've I've attempted to read in this you know genre, I, I'm trying to apply like the Aspen standard to this fic, and sometimes that's not fair because it's not the story that Death Girl is trying to tell but it's close so the way I was looking at it is would you really go and shoot them like like I understand that you'll tease you know fellow classmates or whatever and you know what this actually probably is a little bit more believable than what Aspen came up with here's Draco Malfoy living in Snape's quarters and he you know is this perfect little gentleman aside from the fact that for the last five years he's been shooting you know every small Gryffindor in sight so I think that it, it, it makes sense that they're bullies and it makes sense that they're racist and it makes sense that they're very stereotypical. The one thing I was just pointing out is they're amazingly stupid because... Well, while they would have no way of knowing this, doesn't the entire Ministry of Magic try and take Hagrid in, like, two of the books and, like, the curses bounce off, but the Slytherins are going to go kill him? Like, I thought that was a little... <laughs> well, they don't know he's a giant. I think it's because it's giant blood, right, that everything bounces off him? I would really like to see them take a good shot at him. I would like to see them try.
4: Yeah, um,
1: I would actually... Maybe that's why he's not <laughs> too early, I was actually, actually. kind of, kind of cu- curious to see. Like, I was actually, I mean, not that I am, like, advocating, like... Hagrid bashing little children but I was actually kind of disappointed when they didn't do it because I just wanted to see what would have happened you know like would they have like gotten into like real trouble would maybe that have like set Harry like on the path to like being even worse or being better
0: yeah I thought that was little, that was a little ridiculous although I did like the part where they tried to blackmail Hagrid and I'm like <laughs> okay what exactly is it that you're after you're after information about Nicola, Nicholas Lamel. if you just stand next to him for 30 minutes he will tell you everything <laughs> Of his own accord, because that is Hagrid. So I thought that was a little funny. But um,
1: how how dumb do they think he is? I mean, like, do they really think that he's gonna? I mean, he's an he's an adult. I mean, like, do these like kids like? See, I was wondering, like, is this like a Slytherin thing? Like, do they think that they are the best blackmailers in the world? Like, even though they're eleven.
0: Well, I hate to point it out, but they had a good thing going for several days. I mean, they actually they almost did it. They almost got. My thing is, do they really think they could? attack a member of the faculty, and they'd be absolutely... You know, like, Snape would just roll it under the rug. I mean, they already committed a hate crime against Ron and Seamus. I mean, exactly how many people... Or they're they being
3: taught, I guess. They're being taught that every time I do something wrong, Snape rolls it under the rug. Yes.
1: Yeah, this yeah. Is, I'd like to yeah, see I, them take I a have, shot at
3: Snape, but I don't think that would happen really I
1: well have done. in my notes where it's like, um, I said I can see why the Slytherin idea of canon is perpetuated, because it's kind of true. I mean... For all that he's trying to show that they're normal children, for all he's succeeding in that, there are times when you can see the canon and Slytherins shine through.
3: Purposely, I think, like, these are not good little angels here. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. they're
0: definitely not. I mean, and you can make the argument too. Like, I think that the Slytherins and Canon are evil little bastards. I mean, the, the trio, you know, has to lock Draco Malfoy in like a luggage cart at least once. And once a book. I mean, yeah. Harry's crucioing people left and right, and the like, well, he's not. He's Harry's crucioing people, and he's Imperioing people in the last book. I mean. The, the Gryffindors aren't saints either, but the, I think the question is what is their morality here. It's really different because this is like this isn't like you know self defense. This is like a premeditated attack, and one of the issues I actually have with the characterization of Harry throughout these chapters is that Harry he goes along with a lot more than I think canon Harry would, even given the circumstances. And I think that's one of the things I'm going to get into because this is a complete retelling of the canon. There's good things as a result of that. There's there's productive things that happen for the purposes of the plot. I don't have to worry that this Draco doesn't seem like the Draco from the canon, and I can't believe that that one event would have changed Draco to the point. It doesn't matter. This Draco also has an older brother. This Draco's father is also Tony Soprano. There's a lot of you know there's a lot of structural changes. So. On the good side, that means that I can almost write anything away Is that's just not part of the story, this is AU, and that's fine. The the bad part is, it kind of removes the challenge from what Death Roll's trying to do, because it's not a telling of, you know, everything is the same except they shook hands.
1: I don't think, I mean, and this goes for any AU story, this goes for for this and for any AU story we might cover in the future, I don't really buy the, oh, uh, it's okay, it's AU. I think even AU, I think you still have to conform to the canon characterization, and I think you still have to conform to certain ideas of canon, because AU says, like, the stated change is that they shook hands, and that given Harry's mindset in the beginning of Sorcerer's Stone and canon, yeah, you could probably get that far with them shaking hands. So I think you do have to conform to... Yeah.
0: I don't think you can possibly argue in the story that these are the same characters, just with, you know, minor plot difference. These are very different characters on many levels, and I think my issue with that is while it does free up the plot, while it does, you know, say, okay, this is completely AU, and you know what? If you want to recast Lucius Malfoy, if you want to recast Draco, that's fine. I don't, I sense they're probably the, the most changed characters in the story. You know, the Weasleys, Arthur, and Molly seem relatively the same. You know, the twins, aside from one moment where they run away screaming because they hear laughter in the distance. They seem pretty much the same. I mean, go, that they're not really different but when you start having Harry think of Hermione like in his nar- in his mental narration think of her as a mudblood, that's difficult for me because even though he may not like her, even though there may be different experiences that he's had, I have a difficulty believing Harry would think that way unless he didn't know what the term meant. Oh, I, and think, and- I have difficulty
1: believing Harry would think that way because his mother is one, too. Like, that's it. I mean, mm-hmm. if Harry were a pure-blood child, like, um, considering that he was, I mean, is being pretty much brainwashed by Draco in this story, I mean, yeah. I could see him thinking that because he doesn't really know any better. Like, I think any racist person probably doesn't know any better because they were probably brought up that way. I see it, like, kind of equivalent to that. Not mm-hmm. that it's forgivable and good, but I think he probably, he doesn't know any better. But... I can't really buy it from Harry because of his mother.
3: I disagree, actually, because, um, I I can't remember my first comment. It was something with what Ryan said. I can't remember what I was going to say. But with uh, the Harry Mudblood thing, I I think it's that you're correct that if he sat down and thought this out, like, wait a second, my mother was muggle-born, what the hell am I doing, um... You're right. It makes no sense. But I don't think he's giving it that much deep thought. I think it's more that the, the premise is these are the people he hangs around with every day. And I think you're going to see more of this as the story goes on, too. They're rub, He rubs off on them too a little bit, but they're rubbing off on him, and they're affecting the way he thinks. And I think the Mudblood thing is actually... A purposeful, maybe it's not, but I thought it was a purposeful thing that you're showing that sort of Harry's being corrupted, let's say, by the Slytherins. And I think you're correct 100% that it's illogical and that if he sat down and thought about it, but all racism is illogical. You know, if he sat down and really thought about this, he, he should know it's not true but he's not giving it that sort of thought and attention.
0: Well, I think the difference is from a perspective of a storytelling device, I'm fine with you recasting the characters. I'm fine with you, you know, making Ron Weasley the bad guy because half the time, in Gryffindor-centric stories, I think Ron Beasley is the bad guy. I'm fine with that characterization. I think Molly and Arthur have been portrayed very well. I think Dumbledore has been portrayed, you know, very well. McGonagall, I could see her treating Draco Malfoy as she is treating Harry in the story. I'm fine with that. So there are many things in the story that are absolutely canon-esque. I think Draco and his friends aren't. I think Goyle being the strong but silent type, you know what I mean? I think you know, Draco putting his hand on Harry's shoulder saying, don't worry, everything will be okay. I think the Slytherins not being. Junior Death Eaters. I think they're 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 go down the the biggest is Lucius Malfoy as portrayed so far, and I may be wrong as portrayed so far in the story. Lucius Malfoy is someone who fought for Voldemort, and this is kind of it has some touches of a year like none other in here. He fought for Voldemort because he believed what Voldemort was saying, just as Draco did in a year like none other. He got in on the ground floor. He got trapped like he's trapped in the gang. He couldn't get out. He didn't care if Muggleborns died. He could care less. But he thought that Voldemort was a fool. So he sees Harry as the person who saved him, or at least that's what he claims. And I have no choice but to believe it because for all I know that's what Death Row wanted him to be like.
3: I think so it, I think he meant them to be one-dimensional, but in a real world, you know, one-quarter of your population isn't one-dimensional. They really do have depth. So, you know, what could this depth be if we were looking at it from the other perspective? Well, and I think it's Lucius, demonstrable by what you see, though. I think the, the things that this Lucius... Keep in mind, it was written now, too. It was written after year five. So I, I guess his argument is sort of... His Lucius is sort of like this, like, really racist really powerful sort of doesn't care about the law only cares about his own world view and his own family that's it but he's but he does care about people he does care about his family and so on and I think, too, he he views Harry at first, I think, as a tool. And I actually think you see the moment. It's when – that's why I think in your notes you said, why didn't Lucius think of um, an interview with Harry to begin with? I think that mm-hmm. was you, Ryan. And I, yeah. think th- I think the answer is that up until that moment, he's not thinking of Harry as an ally. He's thinking of Harry as a tool sort of thing. Well, I think
0: I – we'll get to that. My thought was, why didn't he think of, of manipulating Harry into giving the interview at that point to protect his hide? I understand the concept that Lucius could be someone who looks... Upon Harry as someone more than just the boy who lived, he looks upon him as, as a person, as his son's friend. I'm fine with that. My thought was if he was looking at Harry as a tool, he should have seen that purpose for Harry a little bit earlier. Let me say this: I'm fine with the characterization of Lucius if that's how he's actually being characterized. I don't know because I don't know. But okay, I'm fine with with Lucius being someone who wanted out, who had no way of getting out. I'm I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I think that's a great characters. Well, I think that's a great interpretation because it's new. I think it's. Interesting. I think it's something that I haven't read before, and I would prefer Lucius to be someone who is, uh, you know, something a little bit more less cardboard cutout Marie. Mm-hmm. Like you know,
3: but and he's not my, a good guy, but yeah.
0: No, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. My issue so far is I just don't think I don't. If this is the new Harry, that's fine. I just don't like him.
3: <laughs> you know what I mean? That's I right, think comes down to. You just don't like him.
0: I just don't like Harry, and unfortunately, every damn scene is from his perspective. So there's a lot <laughs> to read through. I just think I think he's weak. I think he stand, I think he knows what's right, and he lets Draco walk all over him. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. But I don't like him. And I can like this Lucius because I think he's probably more interesting than the one we had before. Uh, this Draco, I think is. I think he's a little punk. I think he's more. <laughs> he's more um, interesting than canon Draco. I think he's. A, he, he's a little punk. I think this
1: Draco is Bart Simpson.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the Gryffindors are all fine. I think the characterization is, is fine from the perspective it's in. I would like to see this Harry snap. I mean, he, he found like a loophole to, to help out Neville, but you know he, he like found it, you know, there's a problem in the manual and he oh crap. All right, everyone lay off Neville. We found a loophole. You know, we have an injunction from superior court, but I, I mean, I want to see, I want to know what this Harry's thinking. I want to know what he thinks about the Muggle Protection Act. I want to know, which is that, okay, so now Hermione's going to be taken away from her parents, and her parents are going to be memory wiped.
3: Not They're Hermione. It's, it's quite new people. It's, okay, it's okay, not so it's, retroactive. It's
0: going for, okay, I'm interpreting it as retroactive, which is why I was wondering why Hermione...
1: No, was it's wiped. it's only for babies that are being born now.
0: All right, that like, that makes a huge difference, because I was, I actually think it would have been interesting if it was retroactive. I think that would have been fascinating, because what about these poor, you know, Muggle-borns who go home to their, to their uh, to their homes every year. This could be, you know, they could be just like Harry Potter. They could be mistreated. I want to know yes, what Harry if thinks. If of, that's yeah. like
1: that sounds interesting to me too. It's like, um, and that's that's what I kind of take this as. I it, like a, a story that's like not really something that you agree with, but just something that you think it's interesting to read because you want to see what happens. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I'm actually very interested in that. I'm actually sorry it didn't go that way. I mean, it reminds me of almost what happened in Deathly Hallows, where you saw the Wizarding World come apart because of the people running it. I think it's a very... The one thing, because I tend to look at things from a political perspective. I thought it was fascinating the way it worked with the article. You know, you have Harry give the article, Harry gives the interview with Rita Skeeter, and he essentially says that I was placed in this home where I was badly abused. And, you know, I'm not sure it's difficult to find out that Dumbledore was the one who put him there. So as a result of that, you now have very strong anti-Muggle sentiments throughout the Wizarding World. These awful people did this to our Harry Potter. And you have, you know, very... Patriot Act, like legislation, come around the pike now that will take muggle borns away from their parents, away from the muggle world. And, you know, you need someone like Dumbledore to speak out against it, but you can't because Dumbledore now is that bastard who put Harry Potter with these
3: muggles. So he has no. And Dumbledore, if you see the read the missing scenes, like Dumbledore tries, and then later on in books too, Dumbledore's trying, but can't get the political muscle to force it through.
0: And that feels very natural, so I'd, I'd like that. I'm, I'm sorry it wasn't retroactive because I think that would have been fascinating to see what would have happened there, but... If
3: we're going to talk about the act too, Kind I bring up a couple of interesting points? Well,
0: what, well, how do you want to do this? Do you want to just bounce all around? Um, you
4: know, yeah, probably because it's,
1: especially if we go chapter by chapter, like the end of year one is pretty much the same as the book, so it's it's okay. really hard to, to go chapter by chapter and be like, oh, it's the same as the book.
0: Oh, it's- I did like the pansy was like, screw you, I'm not doing it because you always wait. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to die. Um, I'm sorry. I ha- can I say a few words here. I'm 11. I'm at. I'm in my first year of school. I'm not a damn Starfleet officer. It's not like the scene in Star Trek where they're like, get in the engine and fix the thing. That's an order. I mean, you're 11 is, like, when 11-year-olds are told not to talk to strangers. And you're on this massive chessboard, and the guy's coming at you with... And she's really brave. She's standing there, and she's like... uh, She's like Ted Stevens when the guy indicted. And she's like, I don't want to do it. But she does it because... Tim Knott, her arch rival, will be there for her. And you can tell it's some type of twisted version of Ron and Hermione, but whatever. And, <laughs> you know, and, you know she, and she does it and she gets beaten over the head. And I love the the medical terminology. I don't think her head is cracked open. <laughs> oh, good. She'll be
3: fine. So, I
1: told you I shipped it. Yeah. I mean,
3: I thought that, I mean, I thought that was. Oh, the twisted Ron Hermione. The one I on can't
1: get excited about Ron Hermione. I shipped the hell out of this, though. <laughs> you know,
3: I thought I thought that was fine, and I,
0: you know, like I thought that was great. I mean, my problem, my, the thing I'm fine with 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 the Slytherins is that they're they're bullies, and bullies do exist. So I have no problem with the Slytherins being bullies. I just have, I mean, that was the big thing I was saying before. I had difficulty believing that Harry Potter would be a bully because if you you have to so greatly
3: changed his character. I'm just not sure I like it. But we'll get into that as we go through.
1: How can the Harry that grew up with Dudley be a bully?
3: Exactly. Well, that's quite common in real life. You're, you are bullied, then you go bully. Yeah,
0: but I just... Not Harry. I don't know. Let me just point out what I have in my notes here from those last chapters. I made uh, reference to, and this is something that Aspen does too, um, Snape stays in the common room. You can tell the death row really wants to show that Snape is like the ultimate head of house and what a bitch <laughs> McGonagall is. Because Snape stays in the common room and he helps people with their homework, which is implied McGonagall never does, and he's, you know, he's giving life lessons. And he, I'm picturing him by the fire knitting. I'm not sure why, but you know what I mean. He's he's getting his little like Omley over here is beaming because Omley like knits me all of the like everything I'm wearing right now. I think Omley knit for me, and you know he, he's helping people with their problems and like the Slytherin prefects, you know, are tucking the first years into bed. And you're thinking, I don't remember that scene from the real novel when the when the Gryffindor pre- did they even have prefects in the first book? And you. They're like yeah. oh my god, these Gryffindors are bastards <laughs> because they obviously don't care about the. Was McGonagall ever even been in the common room? So I thought that was creative. Um, there was actually a great line in there. Um, in these last chapters, Ben's monotonic droning made him want to learn exorcism. I thought that was a great line. <laughs> Harry just sitting there glaring at Ben's like I'm a Slytherin now, and you must die again. Um, there was actually one great line as well um, th- from the perspective of Harry. He assumed that his detention would be more exciting than writing lines on the chalkboard, and all I could think of was Harry has obviously not read a year like none other because you don't joke about writing lines. I, what was it? Snape had them write like fifteen thousand lines or, yeah. whatever, or something ridiculous. You never want to do that. Um, just going through here as
3: well. I like I too think- that, um, and you'll see this. This is something that always makes the Slytherin people foam at the mouth. That the Slytherin fans, they um the way Dumbledore takes away the house cup at the last minute from Slytherin. So I thought My that- boss
0: hated that. My boss watched the movie, he's like, That bastard, that was against the <laughs> rules. You can't do that.
3: So I think maybe Death feels like, they win the House Cup here, and it's kind of like Slytherin revenge for what really happens.
0: <laughs> was I the only one that thought he was going to do something shifty? Was I the only one? Because he, like, stands up, and he's like, I'd like to make an announcement. <laughs> Please enjoy your mashed potatoes and he sits.
3: And that's like, I, I think that's purposeful. Like, you're like, oh, no, he's going to take them. You know, what is he going to do? And you're it's, trying to think of know.
0: how. It's like to Ron Weasley for being the most hated <laughs> Gryffindor in history, I award four billion points. And they win the cup. But um, one, th- one point I did think was kind of funny was when the Slytherins were given detention by Professor McGonagall, and they like stage a walkout and they refuse to go in the woods. And they're sitting there, and they like brought their homework because they're the perfect little students, and they're doing all their homework and they're sitting and they're exchanging life lessons. And while one of them is doing the homework, the other one is you know I'm not sure if you remember this—they were filling the um, the the Tupperware boxes with food for the poor, and they were doing their little you know their their little gift baskets you know for the poor people and then they were gonna you know go back inside and they were gonna you know start doing collections for you know all the dogs with missing legs so they could get good homes like they were doing their charity work and the one line i thought was great was they were sitting there and they're like we're not going we haven't done anything wrong and all i can think (laughs) of is you just tried to assassinate the school janitor you don't (laughs) think that's worthy of a detention (laughs) like i i find their ethics interesting <laughs> cuz they're 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 even taking requests should i who wants boils on his ass boils on his ass so I have five 5 10 10 boils on his ass i'm just like okay um i think detention is okay for you cuz quite <laughs> frankly I, th- I think you're all a-holes, but whatever. Um Not really. I thought that Jenna was in the very beginning. I love Blaze. I don't know why. Blaze reminds me of someone.
3: I'm a Blaze Harriet shipper in this fic.
0: Are you? Blaze yeah. gets
1: on my nerves.
0: Blaze, well, Blaze is supposedly a boy, so it's it yeah. not really a slash fic. Well, no, it is. There's so many damn Slytherins. I feel awful, but it's like, Jenna is the caffeinated one. Mi- um uh, uh, Millicent Millie's is the animal one. She's, she's kind of like the nice one. Pansy's the one who... Hates Tim but secretly loves him. Tim's the one who. Which one's Tim again? Tim? Smart no? one. He's the smart one. Draco's the one that's either extremely sensitive or like pure evil. I can't make up my mind. Depends who's in the room. And there's like four more of them, isn't there? There's. there's
2: Brad and Goyle. Brad, 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 Brad and Goyle.
0: Goyle is like man of few words. Like, I don't know
3: why, but like, Goyle just. Well, he likes the plants on fire too. He's a pyromaniac. Yeah. And
2: I yes. have that in my notes. Goyle is a pyro. <laughs>
1: I can't tell up. the difference. Like I just, well, I, I just can't tell the difference between Crab
2: and Goyle. Goyle's the one that likes fire. Is
1: Goyle the
0: one whose pants fall off in all the movies? Is that Goyle? I don't know. And Crab is the other one. Crab has no lines. Crab is the one who like almost got shot by the firework in order of the Phoenix, and he like ducked out of the way and hit the wall or bit him in the butt. Which one's what? the one that actually dies? Crab. 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 Orcrux. taking a horcrux with him. Yeah, there was actually a great moment in the second in uh, in Chamber of Secrets where they like attack Colin, Cree- Colin Creevy, and, like, Goyle takes him to, like, beat him up in the classroom. And Harry's like, where is he taking him? Oh, we're going to teach him a lesson. And Harry's like, oh, good. I thought you were going to beat him up. And then Professor McGonagall walks by. I'm like, uh, Minerva, did you just happen to see a very large Slytherin carrying an upside-down Gryffindor begging for his life? Did you know the as you Because you're in the entrance hall. There's few exits that aren't pu- public areas. So I-, I just thought that was kind of funny. It was like, uh, stage left, stage left. There's a poor Gryffindor. who to, who died bravely in the canon but the actor of whom plays him in the movies is a punk rocker hence the fact that we now have nigel with the breed yeah. and what did you uh, think of the missing scenes ryan the missing scenes i skimmed i didn't put them on my ipod so i i kind of skimmed them mm. um i enjoyed the fact that hermione was angry that she couldn't be in slytherin i don't think she wanted to Riffindor be in just, oh, it was slytherin, too, Yeah. no there was a moment where he's like you can't go in slytherin why not i'm like y- you sh- the correct line hermione is yay <laughs> but, <laughs> All right, I'm flipping through here. Um, One interesting point from Chapter 18 when they're in the key room and there's like 47 Slytherins and they're going through trying to get to the end. Um, they remark, Harry, you're too important. You know, we need to protect you. Stay back. And usually you hear that in the canon because he's the chosen one and must save the world. In this one, he's he's too important because he's Harry Potter, the boy who lives. So I thought that was interesting that, because they really don't have a sense yet that Harry needs to do any of this. You know, Voldemort tried to kill Harry. So that's the only real forward looking thing. He might come back and try and kill him again. Other than that, Harry's just a very, he's a VIP. You know, he's like, Harry is Joe the Plumber. He's a, he's a VIP, and we need to protect you because of that. So I thought that was, if that was the intention, that was like, that was kind of interesting. Because then you have Hermione Granger, who doesn't show Harry Potter, the VIP, su- you know, sufficient deference. So she must is, she must be destroyed, for she is evil now. <laughs> versus the Slytherins, who keep him in a box and pet him. <laughs>
3: And I was going to say, just like we were saying, Harry ignores the fact when he's thinking of this racist stuff that his mother's a mudblood. Quitting quotes. I'm doing I'm doing quotes around mudblood. All the other Slytherins also conveniently ignore the fact that Harry's a half blood. It comes up once in year two, and they're kind of like, oh, ooh, let's drop this subject right now. But I think it's a willful ignorance on everyone's part. Like, they just gloss over the fact that he's not pure blood.
0: You know what I say to that? Hitler had one nut.
1: Are you saying that Harry is Hitler?
0: No, what I'm saying is Hitler was a short little guy with one nut and black hair, and he was calling for the establishment of the Aryan race.
1: Move well, Voldemort's
0: a half-blood. Uh-huh, and the Slytherins are the pure-blood people, but they kind of forget the fact that they're following a half-blood and that Harry Potter's in their house. My point is that rules are very convenient unless they apply to you.
3: Right, that, that's what I'm kind of saying, is that because they don't make a deal, I think Harry, it's a sort of like this willful ignorance on everyone's part. We just don't think about his mother, kind of.
4: Right,
0: plus everyone tends, yeah. I mean, I tend to forget that Harry's a half-blood half the time. For some reason, I keep thinking he's a pure-blood, which is ridiculous, but I keep kind of going there in my mind. Well, sure. he's
3: oh, both his parents are wizards, so yeah.
0: yeah. The point I just want to make too though is that I just think it's very interesting that the reason that Harry likes the Slytherins in the beginning is because they're not they're the ones who don't treat him differently. You know, you have Hermione Granger gawking at his scar, you have all the people in the leaky cauldron before the story picks up gawking at his scar and he feels un- his scar and he feels uncomfortable with that. Whereas now you have you're too important, Harry, you must stay back. Um, if it's because he might be useful later and it's a forward-looking thing, I think there's not enough emphasis in the plot on that to really drill that point home because he's not the chosen one yet. And if it's because he's a VIP, I think then they're no better than, than the people that were pissing off Harry in the beginning.
1: I think it's a like a Slytherin tendency to, like, kind of, like, buddy up to powerful people. Right. Yeah, I agree with P.S. So that's- I think that's part of why the, I mean, the putting of Harry on a pedestal, because well, it, it's a different, like, tactic. I mean, because the other people are just kind of, like, gawping at him because he's famous and people gawp at people that are famous. But when the Slytherins put him on a pedestal, it's more subtle. And it's because one of the Slytherin tendencies is to want to buddy up to powerful people, which I think is different than gawking at a famous person.
0: That's a fair point. I mean, I I think that it just changes my perspective because in the beginning I think I like the fact that they didn't see Harry as any different. Although that's actually not correct because the reason they got so pissed at Hermione was she didn't show him proper deference. So actually, yeah, you know what? I'll even go with PS on that one for now.
3: The characterization is so different that I'm not going to get tied over that. Yeah, they're so angry that- at Draco for not telling them that it's Harry Potter who's its friend. So They were very angry. They laughed and laughed. Actually, no.
2: Sort of a point on something I said a couple minutes ago. <laughs> but about Half-Blood it's funny every time you say that word. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because it's sort of like in canon, half-blood usually does not refer to people who have one muggle-born parent and one not. Although you probably wouldn't be considered, you know, from a old pure-blood family if you had a muggle-born parent. On the other hand, you're not tossed, you're not called a half-blood either. I mean, that term is reserved for something else.
1: No, he is a half-blood. Yeah, I, mean, I'm, I'm a, yeah. I will say that it probably makes a difference at the fact that um, the muggle blood is in his mother's line, so his surname is a wizard name.
3: And he has lots of money, which helps, too.
1: Yeah. Right. So, I mean, so people people see Potter, and they don't think that his mom was a muggle-born, because they maybe don't know. Right, Ron they, and
0: Hermione's children are half-bloods. Um, it goes by the grandparents. Is that correct? Four if you have for
1: wizarding grandparents, you're a pure blood. If you have any less, then you are a half half blood. Blood. and Halfblood. Have-
0: what throws people off is because they think of Lily as a muggle-born, and there's the word muggle in there, I think. So they see muggle, wizard, and they assume that Harry is half and half. But Both of Harry's parents are wizards.
3: Well, Harry and so Ginny's life. kids are pure bloods,
1: for instance. Yes. Right. Harry and these kids are purebloods. It may be um, brought up more if you are, say, like Seamus, it may be brought up more because um because it's more obvious, but prestige it's, level. it's still true that Harry is a half blood.
0: Right, because Harry is described as a half blood and and he has two wizarding parents. So yeah. I think yeah,
4: I mean if Billy and
1: James of... had lived and Harry had come from a wizard home and he knew wizard things and such and such he probably would not encounter any prejudice in his day-to-day life until maybe he says like like pretend harry is sorted in a slytherin pretend like lillian just i'm making up an au fic lillian and james live and harry is a slytherin and he's in there with the slytherins and he is like them he has a wizarding upbringing and maybe he let slip that his grandparents are muggles and then they probably take a step back but I think in like his day-to-day life, it wouldn't be so obvious.
0: That's the easiest way to think of it. Harry would be a pure-blood if we went by that definition, and he's not.
1: Right.
3: Because Harry, like Tom Riddle, is a half-blood. Which I think makes a good segue, if you don't mind me making it, to the Muggle-born law, because what I think is significant here is that it's prejudiced against muggles, but it's not prejudiced against muggle-borns. Because if you think about it, in... I mean, I don't think it should actually work out this way, but in theory, the way it's supposed to work is you sort of take the muggle-born children away from their parents, you make the parents forget who they are, and then you have them raised by pure-blood families, and they grow up in wizarding society. So what it's meant to attack is sort of muggle culture seeping into the wizarding world. Mm-hmm. But the Muggleborns themselves aren't being targeted anything at all in this. They're being brought up as purebloods, basically, sort of adopted purebloods. Well, you could also intro.
0: argue too they're being denied their, their 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 families. They're being denied their true birth parents. They're having that decision <laughs> be made for them. So
3: it. I and mean, you know, it's clearly prejudice but it's preg I guess I mean and it's it's not good for the muggle I don't think any of us are going to argue that the muggle-born should be deprived of their parents mm-hmm. but I think from a pure blood perspective it's aimed at muggles only and I think I mean I think like if you ask Lucius he'd be like well, I'm doing the muggleborns a favor you know
0: right I mean yeah I don't think there's any argument that would you rather have your like the weasleys for all intents and purposes are anomalies within within pure uh, wizarding families would you want your children to be raised by someone like the weasleys who may be muggle-borns themselves, you know, someone of that, you know, just very wholesome, very, you know, they're not into the whole blood thing? Or would you want your children raised by, you know, Narcissa and Lucius Malfoy?
1: because, like, I mean, I actually never thought of that, but, like, any given, like, oh, what, I mean, I don't think we know of any adults that are making up any random adult that's muggle-born, like, pretend, oh, um, like, the cat
4: Right from right, Deathly right, right.
1: Hallows, the woman, the the woman yes, that, yes, yes, yes,
4: yes, 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 yes,
1: right. Yep, pretend like they had been given a Muggle-born baby. Like, don't you think that she would have tried to raise this baby, like, with knowing some Muggle culture, because she herself was Muggle-born? I mean, well, then eventually...
0: I'm a little confused. I'm a little confused by the intent of the law, because then you have like Andromeda and Ted Tonks. You know, you have a, you have am wrong, oh. Ted is a Muggle, Andromeda is a wizard. No. So then.
1: Ted. Ted is, is right? muggle-born. Ted is a wizard. He's
0: muggle-born? He is a wizard? Okay. Well, if you have a situation like, then is Finnegan. it, um...
1: I imagine that, well, obviously Seamus stays because he's already born. Right. But I, I still also don't like, I, I wish it was I retroactive. Also, <laughs> I imagine that if, um, if the, the Finne- if, say, that Mrs. Finnegan applied to adopt a child under this law, she'd probably be denied.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think with the point it's supposed to be an attack. I think it, it goes from the viewpoint that the threat is they're diluting, uh, you know, they're diluting wizarding culture. So we have to make sure that only wizards, like people of proper wizarding background, are here. And the other thing to think about, which I, I know I've talked with Roll about this in Skypes, is that how many purebloods who tend to have prejudices about blood are going to actually want to adopt a Muggleborn? And even if there were no prejudices, you know how many families want to adopt a child. Period. And I'm sure a couple will go, but you're going to have what I think is going to end up happening is you're going to have like dozens, but probably I, I don't know hundreds. What every kid from age zero through seventeen eventually just like living in or- like orphanages in the middle of nowhere with no parents. Because what happens if no one wants the, ki- the kid?
1: Yeah, you're going to get you're going to get a reverse Tom Riddle. You're going to get a kid who decides that he who decides he's particularly in touch with his muggle heritage and that he's going to destroy the wizarding world.
2: Well, okay, so since we're going with the Harry Potter Magical Child Protection Act, I, when I was reading it, I I don't know how much you're up on this sort of news. Um, The circles I'm in, I hear, you know, you hear different news from different places. Um, You all know about the whole apology by the Australian government that was given this past no, year? No,
0: I don't know.
2: Basically, an apology was given to the Aboriginal people. Um, oh, I heard about that. Yeah, it was a big thing, actually. And part of it was very much like this, and that's the first thing that occurred to me, was they were taking these Aboriginal children, removing them from their families, and fostering them or adopting them into, you know, European, non-Aboriginal families, basically to enculturate them and to take away their cultural heritage so that they would culturize faster. Yeah, that's what this is. yeah.
3: One one thing about
0: it which is very interesting for me is that I've read I, I don't know if anyone else has read it. I read the Psychic Serpent trilogy by Barb and one of the things that she does in that story is she tells an alternate version of the canon whereas muggleborns were banned from the wizarding world. If you were a muggleborn you would never receive your Hogwarts leather. you were on your own, we would monitor you to make sure that you didn't blow up the Empire State Building by accident, but other than that we want nothing to do with you. We want pure bloods only. Um, And and I believe Half Bloods only, um, you know, if if they were if if they were there. And and, you know, Hermione Granger is not allowed at Hogwarts. And it's it's really what you see in um it's really what you see in the canon in Deathly Hallows, you know, moving in that direction. What was interesting about this is usually Lucius Malfoy's big line is you know it's all about the blood purity. Draco is twice the wizard, you know, or the magical person that Hermione Granger is because she's just a filthy mudblood. And what you see here is it's not about So if we're to believe Lucius, it's not about your blood, it's about who raises you. Those muggles are dangerous. Hermione Granger, if she were born today, you know, even though she is born from from you know, even though she's muggle born and she has two Muggle parents, Hermione Granger can be a perfect witch if only we raise her. You know what I mean? So it actually it's a rejection of the blood is everything argument and it's 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 a it's a culture it's a nurture argument versus a nature argument which i think is much more interesting now Mm -hmm. if lucius is to be believed is this step one you know does he have this master plan i originally saw his master plan he gets that little twinkle in his eye when he uh sees harry about to sit down for the interview with rita because he knows i can really ram home with this and I thought it was his plan to discredit Dumbledore. It was his plan to be able to set this in motion by really, you know, wrenching up public opinion against the Mongols. Um, so I don't know if this is step one, and then step two will be get rid of the muggles altogether, you know, push them. You know, push the muggle-borns out of our world. I don't know. But I, I like the fact that it's more complicated. I like the fact it's a little bit more gray. I like, the, you know what I mean? It's not, we must get rid of them all for they have <laughs> dirty blood. It is. I think,
1: <laughs> well, given what Mike's point earlier was that there's probably not enough welcoming homes for these kids, that you're probably, I mean, I have no idea of this it's going to be like an actual plot point, but um, you very well could get the point where it's like the ones that aren't adopted or become become second class citizens, and then that's oh, his yeah. plan. Or
3: well, what I'm waiting for is when Harry sees that. Like right now, he's like, "Oh, this is okay, yay!" But I think maybe Harry might be jolted when he sees you know a hundred kids in an orphanage because no one's adopting them.
0: Yeah, and you know what it is? I have such difficulty seeing Harry being the one who says, oh, okay. Because, ev- you know what I mean? Even though he doesn't have Hermione there constantly proving that Muggles can do anything, I-, I just have such difficulty believing that Harry, and, and, and I know I'm making a contradiction here, but I have difficulty believing that Harry Potter would believe that all Muggles are evil because of his parents. Because the thing that's always defined Harry is... Even though he, he keeps getting knocked down and even though he's gone through more than anyone ever has, he, he he's a good person and he keeps trying and he's still relatively pure. And even though that doesn't really make sense logically, that's why we read books about him because he's the anomaly. Okay, the I think characters.
3: it goes back to nature versus nurture. Is Harry naturally the person you just described or is it, you know, this is What he pulls together from his worldview, from his exposure to people like Dumbledore and people like the Weasleys and Hermione Granger, you know, and then this is sort of who he becomes because of them. I think that's what it gets back to.
1: And also, keep in mind, like what you were saying about how Harry is somebody who is motivated to do good things. How much of that is because he knows about his parents and keep in mind in this he doesn't know about his parents. I mean Hagrid hasn't told him anything because Hagrid's not his friend. He hasn't met Remus, he hasn't met Sirius, he hasn't no, met Argus, he's not really that, close with Dumbledore.
0: Didn't he, that happen in the Lighthouse though? Didn't that happen in the Lighthouse? Hagrid told Harry. Oh, but he, oh, no. he
1: hasn't he hasn't given him like the big the big the photo album and stuff. And just keep in All mind right. that he doesn't he doesn't know anything about his parents yet he hasn't met the people who are going to tell him about his parents yet i mean we could have a big revelation when he learns more about lily like when he meets horace haha, like in year six where he's like oh shit muggleborns aren't so bad my mom was pretty cool and here's an adult i trust who is a slytherin telling me that they're not so bad you know what i mean i think
3: we can edit this out if it's a spoiler, but I almost think you see a little bit of where P.S. is. I think, like, Harry hits sort of a low at the end of year two, and I think, I don't know if Amelie agrees with me, or P.S. agrees with me, and I think he gets, like, in terms of how, quote, I'm doing quotes again, dark Harry is, I think he hits a low at the end of year two, and that after he's exposed to Remus and other Marauders, he kind of goes up a little bit again.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you don't even have to have read the fic to, like, guess... That unless Harry's, like, completely off the deep end, that Remus and Sirius are going to fix him a bit. Well,
0: I would just will say this. I think there, there's two issues here. I think uh, issue number one is I would like to see more from Harry's, you know, perspective as a narrator. You know, when these things are happening, I keep wondering, what does Harry think of this? What does Harry think of having legislation named after him, other than the two lines we got? I want to know more about what he's thinking. And the last thing is is that I don't want to keep harping on, you know, the characterizations off, because it, I, I firmly believe it's, it's a recasting of the, uh, of... Of, of the whole canon. Now, if Dumbledore doesn't think that, then his characterization, unfortunately, is off. But I think that the, the, the theme of They Shook Hands is, um, you know, by choosing that moment to retell the story, in canon, Draco is a snot, Harry sees that Draco is a snot, Harry will not shake the snot's hand. In in this story, Draco is not so much a snot and Harry shakes his hand. You know, even though he's a little bit of a snot, Harry still shakes his hand anyway. So does that mean that in Draco I'm sorry, in Death Roll's recasting of the character of Harry, he's a little less noble. He's a little less you know, he, he's got a little less of that innocence so that he's maybe just like everybody else to some extent. Maybe a little bit. I don't know if he's as interesting if he is like that, but I definitely would like to see that addressed. I think that's you can't have Legislation aimed at taking children away from their parents named after you, and not think anything about it other than okay, I guess it's you know or What do you think? I mean, because if you're if you're like that, I don't care about you. You know what I mean? So that's just where I am there.
1: I just still think that Harry doesn't have that much of the basis for nobility at the point that he shakes Draco's hand. Like, I think even the little bit more of when Hagrid, when he liked Hagrid, even the little bit more of not looking forward to being with Draco, because... I almost see it as like even the like two weeks between being at Diagon Alley and getting on the train to Hogwarts where he's thinking about being with Draco again Mm -hmm. is kind of pushing him towards the edge of the cliff.
3: Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head that he's not the same person because of the people he's interacted with. I think that's the argument, whether you agree with it or not, that Death Roll puts forward, that Harry is sort of a blank slate and um, because he's a blank slate – he's being written on, I guess, by the Slytherins.
0: I just think the thing is, and I don't want to keep driving this discussion you know, around and around and around again, I think that when you look at the story, if you if your argument is that Harry is a clean slate, then you can't link every change to the fact that Harry is now a Slytherin and has all of these Slytherin experiences because if 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 the Slytherin experiences are what is causing all the changes, then why does he need to be a clean slate to start with? Why can't he be exactly? I like don't he was think in he's necessarily
1: six? a clean slate. There are there are issues with this characterization I, that I still have. I just think that it's um that he doesn't. I think it, and I think he is naturally noble. I think it's covered by this little boy who nobody ever liked, who is finally liked by people so he yeah. is consciously or unconsciously acting like this so they'll like him
0: I guess I don't see our Harry doing that I mean I think the other thing too is when you look in when you look at parts of the story I think the fact that Harry hates Ron Weasley is perfect I think McGonagall's characterization is perfect I think you go down the list. There are many things about this characterization that are absolutely dead on. I think the the political, you know, coming together of of the Muggle Protection Act was perfect because it makes perfect sense and it flows very well. I actually sent a PM to to a death row today. There was points um, for those of you who live in Massachusetts. You'll get this. There were points during uh, Lucius Malfoy's discussion of the, of the reorganization of of the of the Wizarding government that I thought Carla Howell herself would come forward and explain that small government is beautiful we've had some political discussions about it um yeah death rules from
3: massachusetts too
0: death rules from massachusetts you can definitely for those of you who don't know there's a there's a libertarian named carla howell who's trying to do away with the state income tax and by the time you hear this i guess you'll know if it worked or not but um we were discussing that ballot initiative like one night for an hour and we're going back and forth on it so i could definitely uh see his political um you know input into the storyline a little bit here um I think there's parts that flow perfectly. There's parts where I think, I think that what I was getting at earlier and I can't remember if I hinted around it, so I'll just say it. I think that if you're going to tell a story where you get to rewrite the characters and start from a, clean slate i think that's a little unfair at sometimes to the reader because i don't know if it's bad characterization or if it's new characterization <laughs> you know what i mean so i can't tell if if he's just not doing i don't know what his intention is i think that's the problem with aspen i knew the intention was to to continue from where we were before but go in the different direction. So you can judge if it seems not so straight it's difficult for me to to, to judge this because it could be completely au so I think on yeah, some level it's easy.
1: I guess maybe I might be setting myself up for disappointment because I'm judging it by where I want it to go and where I want yep. it to go. <laughs> it is like Harry gets this big revelation where he's like, "I'm not a Slytherin. I'm not a bad person. I'm a Gryffindor. I love Ron. I love you, Ginny. Let's get married."
3: I don't think that's it. I don't think it's going.
2: I don't
0: even think. think it's going No, I don't think it's
1: that, going. That that was obviously an exaggeration, but. Um
0: I think it's going to a place where where I th- I think you can even admit if you're like Harry and Draco came to an understanding I can see Harry and Ron coming to, to a similar understanding. I hope going forward and, and we're going to jump into the discussion now of um the Chamber of Secrets. I think we're going to find that um that Lucius is a bad person in that he has done very bad things. He's a very things. He's a very racist person. He, he is a very superior person in the way he views himself according to everyone else. I think that there will be a lot more depth to him than we got in canon, which I think is a good thing. I think that there will be, we will see Slytherin characters who are not junior Death Eaters. And I think that is a good thing. I think it's interesting to see characters and how they respond when everyone from the time they meet them thinks they're evil people, and the people that we like, the Gryffindors, think that without question, and we know that it's accurate characterization. I think it teaches us about ourselves if we see you know, through our enemies' eyes. I think that's very good. I just hope that it doesn't turn out that this is supposed to be an accurate retelling of the canon, because I just don't think that jives. Because in the canon, the Slytherins were junior Death Eaters. So if you're going to make an argument that they weren't, it has to be AU because there were things that we did learn from the canon that were accurate. So I think that's, you have to acknowledge your premise. As long as he's acknowledging the premise, I hope Harry gets the snot kicked out of him and he realizes that Hermione Granger can kick his ass and then we'll be fine on everything. So I think with I, that...
1: I, yeah, go ahead. I think what I want, what I want to happen is basically that Harry realizes that he's made a mistake. Like I, I don't know how to how to describe it because otherwise I like make up that crazy situation. Though I, I, am still shipping Harry J in this fic, so that becomes more apparent later because she's not really in it. But um,
3: if you want my prediction, just yeah. for the what I actually this is what I predict is going to happen, and I could be totally off here. But I think as you go down the line, you're going to kind of have a third path sort of open up where. If I, if I think about it, for instance, I don't. I can't imagine. Like, like you think about like what's going to happen in book four when Harry's sucked in through the assuming it goes along, you know, similar enough, and he's sucked through the port key, and Voldemort calls all his Death Eaters back. But this is after you know he spends Christmas with the Knots and they exchange Christmas presents, and you know he lives like half his year with Lucius Malfoy, and and I think you're going to have a sort of splintering among the Slytherins that they're not all, it some will stay with Voldemort and some are going to sort of form this third path. I think it's what you're going to have where Harry softens them a little bit and they've changed Harry from what we know. And he, and he winds up somewhere in between arch Slytherin Harry and Gryffindor Harry.
1: That's why I like this fic. Like, because it has like the possibility to go in a more instant. Like, because it has like the possibility to go. So you think
3: ahead. There's a lot of things like, well, I can't imagine. You know what's going to happen when the Malfoys have to choose where, what, which way they're going. What's, uh, what's going to happen think. with the Order of the Phoenix? Is is Harry? They, you know, I can't see. I can't see this Harry being like you know, moving into 13 Grindelwald and being a loyal oil Order member with, like, Weasleys dancing around. <laughs> 13
0: Grindelwald?
3: <laughs> you mean <Grimmauld? laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> I'm like,
0: do you know what you're doing? You know what I mean.
4: That, <laughs> that would be incredibly,
0: <laughs> a, <that'd> be incredibly <laughs> AU if, if Harry actually moves in with Grindelwald. <laughs> oh, my
4: that'd God. That would be fun.
0: Grindelwald's be still fun. alive. It could happen. But that's very interesting that when you look at the... Can I just tell you Mike is the new me? Because I actually forgot for the moment that Grindelwald was still alive. So I'm like, oh, I think that when you look at... Even, look at the story itself now. This is the biggest AU shift. Assuming everything before me is the truth, the Malfoys are against Voldemort. They're glad he's gone. If he comes back, they would probably want him to leave again. And they can their are card-carrying members until they lose their kid. I mean, that's a big shift. So it's and I want to imply here, I, I think I'm coming across as the guy who doesn't like it. I wouldn't be here if I didn't like it. Um, I think it's probably, it, it, the potential is so huge. It's one of those things where, like, I've been burned before by great potential that hasn't gone anywhere. Could you imagine the Weasleys and, and, and the Malfoys fighting side by side? And you, you got that a little bit at the end of canon, but from the beginning. This thing, the because, big
1: thing I'm yeah. waiting for is to see whether, because I think, I think Draco will choose Harry, but I'd be curious to see if his parents do as well.
0: Uh, that's the interesting thing, because you know what you you literally in this story, and this is what's so interesting, just Malfoy really thinks that Muggleborns all can die, you know, kill five of them, kill a hundred of them it doesn't matter they're they're worthless muggles are worthless um okay look at you know look at that accept that for the moment, and then accept the fact that you know Arthur Weasley is who Arthur Weasley is if they they would both want to fight the return of Voldemort. Because they both see Voldemort as a threat to their own way of life. It's so interesting when people who believe exactly the opposite still are on the same side and, and can still you know accomplish opposite goals by doing the same thing. I think to me that's fascinating. I would love to see that. So I think that there's great potential going forward. My concern is that it goes in a different direction, but you know, I'm I'm optimistic. So I'm definitely looking forward yeah, I think to working The big,
1: The big thing with me, is just like, like, I may sound like I'm being like, oh, I don't like Harry Bannon, but wait. Like, Aren't you the like, beta?
0: <laughs> is that <laughs> possible? Yeah. Like, I have a question. Are you the beta? Like, I'm generally asking.
1: I did do some beta work for him, yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> I think we should ask. Okay. Well, I, you're, 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 the commas are all in the right place, as far as I can see.
1: Oh, I didn't bait it this part.
0: Okay. Year three. What part? Yeah,
1: I baited, I, baited, right. I baited some of year three.
0: All right if we catch like you know like like a ghost of Horace Slughorn you know like skipping <laughs> holding hands this other guy that we don't know we'll know that's the PS chapter where she started um all right let's get into the ghost the, Wait,
1: the ghost since when is he well, no, dead? I'm
0: sorry. I'm thinking like of his great grand. Who the hell are you? Who do you write about? Do you write about his write father, about or grandfather, huh? great? Who? who okay, your. Oh no, your story's a... Hor- you know why he's so damn old? I can't. Wait. I'm trying to do the generation because he's
1: like, how old is horn? He's horse so damn old. He's dead. He used to be dead or something. What? I I'm, I'm, I'm honestly no.
0: Confused. I'm picture. I know in your story there's there's a slug horn. You like that? There is a slug horn. There's a slughorn. <laughs> slug <horn. laughs> and It's like. There's like there's horse drawn carriages outside because it's so damn long ago. It's
1: 1925.
0: Well, I, ago. I thought it was like nineteen oh eight but you know what? It's it's the story where Dumbledore is 157. So when I hear the Civil War, I think great 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 grandfather. So I'm thinking. Plus, you have the whole thing where the story takes place in the 90s, so we just lost 15 years on that hit.
3: So I <laughs> I, I don't know.
1: Who, it's the Horace English Civil War. War was like a thousand years ago.
3: <laughs> no, it was a thousand years ago. What? I just the want to English say this.
1: The Civil War was a long time ago. Can a I just thousand. say this? Can I just
0: say this? It's I just want to
1: say here too. on in his 1985.
0: I, I just want to tell okay. you all this. Um, I just have to share. Um, when I made PS and Mike and Teza and, and Gentoo hosts of the podcast. I realized shortly thereafter, crap, I need to redo the opening credits now. So I've been spending the last week looking for quotes from these people to put into the opening credits. yes, okay. has giving me some... In- oh, Mike, just just don't even bother, Listen, I have a question. I'm so
1: afraid. Is, is it the Dumbledore?
0: Dumbled- oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Thank oh, you. Oh, no. Now you're gonna. But uh, now I'm gonna. No, I found a... Um, My new thing is at the very beginning of the podcast to put, like, dumb things you've said in the podcast, like, at the beginning to open it. And it really amused me, because as I was listening to the episode that Amelie just edited, I was making notes of the dumb things that people were saying to use, <laughs> and then she apparently already put... She she took them and put them at the end of the episode for me. So I'm like, oh, Amelie has a great taste. Because <laughs> it was, like, all the moments I had just picked. Um,
1: You're welcome. Yeah. I honestly, I want to clear this up, because I, if I recall correctly... Exactly two weeks ago, you said I will read your fic tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I'm working on that. I tomorrow,
1: social reading is on the Two weeks ago now.
0: Can I just say this? If I have one flaw, it is is it is that I care too much. I try so hard to do all of these things. Like I, like I, like I have a laundry list of things people have asked me to do, and I'm like, I promise I'll do it. And I'm on my deathbed, and I'm like, I can't die yet. I have to read this thing.
3: So. Oh my god! If you
1: are dying and you haven't read it, I'm going to sit there. We'll both be like 85 years old, and I'll sit there next to you and read it to you.
3: Oh, like, like, if you're dying, like oh, I
2: don't care. Oh, isn't that nice? Like, if, I, I'm di- I'm if I'm there.
0: dying, if I'm dying, P.S. is volunteered to sit with a bag over her head with little eyes slits cut out so she can see. And as with, with my dying breath, I will be picturing uh, Slughorn. Is this the great-grandfather or the grand... And, and I'm dead. And then she's like...
4: It's me him! Up. It's him! It's him!
0: All right. What? Can I say this, too? That's definitely ending up in the opening credits right there. Because <laughs> P.S. has had some brilliant lines these last weeks. Um, at one point she's like clocks have hands Ryan spoons are for eating that was a great line that we had (laughs) Lady Chi for God knows what reason actually said the following on the podcast I repeat I remember where I was when I realized men had erections I remember it very clearly (laughs) (laughs) on the podcast then she said and I swear to God she said the following I have so many cats I'm literally throwing them away she Literally. did. Too. <laughs> but do you see the red light flashing? I'm recording all of this. So,
1: <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm sorry. It just breathe. It's, yeah. It's, it's it's not his grandfather. Why would I write about his grandfather when I love him so much?
3: Write about his father.
1: Write
3: hmm? about his father.
1: Why would I do that?
0: You did you just like become like? Like like a different nationality momentarily. <laughs> you're
1: right <about> his father. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. His
3: yeah. When, know, right? they're, when they're kids, right? All the fathers are in there. One's a criminal.
1: Well, yeah. When they're kids, because when you're a kid, your father is more present in your life. When you're 25, because you live with your yeah, father.
3: I'm just saying. And in fact, PS's major character is like a little Draco Malfoy. I always say that.
1: Shut up. Wait for later.
3: All right, all, all I can say is that
0: at, at the moment here, like, I just want to know when your wedding is going to be, because you can solely picture PS and Mike time and not, and, like, they're at the dinner table. Is not, take it back, he is not, like, Draco Malfoy, and they, like, throw soup at each other. I don't know, but the whole thing is just. No crazy.
1: way.
3: Uh, well, there you go. This, this like, right now, if, you want, if people you want, come up to me, Ryan, thanks to all your PS Mike shipping Yeah, come you up. you
1: seriously need to stop that, because people, you no, know, I swear to God, people believe. You. People think that we are dating and you need but
0: to stop. Here's the thing I don't bring it up. You guys are the ones who keep bringing it
1: up. No, I you swear. You just brought I, it up. You did. You always bring it up. This
0: is like the one exception, and I brought it up like 25 episodes ago. I'm the, You're the one who gave me the PS mic well, shipping fine. quote.
1: PS because gave I was Because I was telling you not to do it. Oh,
0: that, was like, that was not clear to me. All I can say children, is. Right now, children, children. If, no, if Omni is knitting me something right now, this entire experience would be like a double date. That's all I have to say. All right. So <laughs> why don't we get back to the actual fic that we're covering? Like Omni lives like four houses from me. Like I can see her right now knitting. All right. So. I'm crocheting. Listen. Are you really Ooh. crocheting? That would just I really
2: am. Before.
3: I believe. I'm um, almost
2: done with this damn blanket.
3: <laughs> Do you sell them? What? Like, can we buy, like, like? do you sell what you crochet? Like, can yeah. we buy, like, an Amelie blanket? No. Yeah. No, but suck up to her for Christmas time. All right. So, um, <laughs> I'm just
0: saying, she, like, she's like Molly Weasley over here. I'm waiting for my sweater. All right. So, um, let us get yeah. back. So, Amelie, oh, crocheting one, why don't you start our discussion
2: of,
0: <laughs> of, uh, Chamber of Secrets?
2: Oh, goodness. Okay. So, in Chamber of Secrets, we're starting off, and Harry is... Just like in the Canon. He's at the Dursleys. He's returned back for the summer vacation. There was a little bit of a weird thing with bacon. And Harry's Harry was apparently not allowed to eat the bacon, and I didn't remember this very well. That I didn't pull up cannon, so I don't really remember how weird that is. He steals you know, a slice, of,
3: right? He he like grabs a slice of bacon when they're not looking and eats it, right?
2: I don't remember what happened in cannon. And this one, he ends up taking two of them. Dudley sees him and says, "Mom, he's stealing my bacon." And, um, then Petunia catches him or something. But I was like, "I'm um, okay."
1: I think so- something like that happens in canon. I mean, it's like
0: I actually had a weird reaction. I'm trying. To f- I'm, I'm flipping through my notes here. I actually tried to condense my notes because everyone yelled at me last time for bringing excessive
3: notes to the podcast. I loved on your notes. Screen,
1: my notes are written like- in a notebook.
3: <laughs> that, actually, here's a theme with chapter one, and it goes on later, which we haven't touched on at all yet, um, which is Dobby. And in particular, which I find fascinating, is in this chapter, chapter one, Dobby's holding his mail back, just like in canon, we can assume for the exact same reasons. But then later on, Dobby doesn't block him entering the platform. And I wonder, oh. is that because now he's been... I, I can see two possible reasons. Reason one is because he's with the Malfoys and Dobby can't, you know, yeah, actively I think, take I part. Think
1: Dobby is afraid to act when the Malfoys are there. But
3: the Every other possibility is he's seen Harry be mean to him. I mean, Harry's not been nice to Dobby in this like he is in canon. And then, so that, that, you know, I wonder how Dobby's perception of Harry's being changed by having, you know, instead of being like, oh, you're my friend, please don't, Dobby. It's like, fetch me fries and lightly salt. (laughs) Harry is very mean to
0: Dobby. You know what it's like? It's like when, okay, Draco explains to Harry that Dobby is a moron, and you need to tell him everything to do. So then Harry's like, oh, okay. Hello, Dobby. Can you hear me? I want help." Like, does Harry not have, like, you know, like, the, the emotional, the,
3: the intellectual curiosity to check for himself to see if Dobby is, in fact, a moron, but whatever. That well, he does he, Later general... on, he asks Lucius, like, yeah, I don't feel right about this. And remember, Lucius calls the other house health, and he's like, do you want clothes? And the house health, like, goes into hysterics in front of right. Harry. Yeah.
0: Well, that's kind of like saying you're fired, too. Yeah. What, Let me actually other- ask you this question. Why in can Because my canon, you know, Magic 8-Ball is not functioning properly. I actually, just as we're talking here, received an email from Melinda. I did some bathering work from her, and I indicated that something in her story uh, was not canon-esque. It, 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 it confused me, and she wrote back, um, dear, that is very canon-esque. You should probably reread the story every now and then. So now I'm actually thinking to myself, perhaps I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm basically, right now, I'm just emotionally bankrupt. But why did Dobby want to keep Harry from going back to Hogwarts? I know it was for his personal safety.
1: Because Harry what? made Voldemort go away. And Voldemort was very bad to house Well Well,
3: Dobby knew about the plot with the diary. That was premeditated. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah!
0: No, but how did the plot with the diary affect...
3: Because it was to be Voldemort coming back and Harry's a target for Voldemort. Mm -hmm. Okay. it's Voldemort's diary, he knows whose diary it is. And he knows Harry.
0: Right. No, it is like, like the shorthand version of how I remember it is like Dobby works for Malfoy. Malfoy wants to kill Harry. Hence Dobby tries to protect Harry, which it's like two degrees of separation. Um, so I was trying to figure out. So I I was reading that, and I was actually trying to figure out then what because we're reading because there was there was a there, was a, there was a scene I I I think I read it fine. Mike says I misread it. I think P.S. says she's on my side, so we're gonna let Amley be the. Type I of know it. you misread it. Yeah. I oh, no.
1: I'm on your side. You didn't misread right.
0: it. You yes, see, did okay. Here's here's the point that I got confused by. There's the, mo- you know, let's, let us read the damn thing, shall we? Start earlier. Wait, can I, can I read, can I read yes, parts okay. of it? Yes, okay. Now, the question for you, my fellow Puffuanians, who is crying in this
3: scene? Mike, take it away. Hold on, let me, where's my fic? Second. Wait a second. One second. Ah, where'd it go? I had it open. Link me, someone, quickly. Actually, I think it's in PS's Skype
1: message. Yeah, it's in Wait. my Skype, so go back to our chat.
3: Uh, All right. I want to read, I'm going to read a couple of previous sentences to place this, if that's all right with you, Ryan, and then I'll get to the part you want. Is that okay with you? Go for it. Go for it. All right. Um, He went downstairs back into the dining room. Mrs. Malfoy was just sitting down at the table and she looked as though she had been crying. Then we skip a little bit forwards. Um, He should be in his office, she said. He's probably making a fire call to the solicitor. I'm afraid the boys really twisted things up this time. She bit back a sniffle. Then we skip forwards again. Um, uh-huh. Lucius, Harry would like to talk to you, she said. She turned and left, closing the door behind her. Faintly, Harry heard a choked sob. Now tell me keep who's reading. crying. In keep this.
0: reading. No, read That's the, it. Read the, no, read the last two sentences again and then keep reading. I don't have anything after that. That's the end of the paragraph.
1: That's all no, he gave me. Reading. He was trying to bias me into his
0: thing. What, what's after? You yeah. keep reading. That's all I have. Mike is like the Republican National Committee here. Mike only gives you what they want you to know. Alright. Now let me take a shot at this. This is, this is the no-spin zone over here. <laughs> no, Bill <Phil> O'Reilly. <laughs> Lucius, Harry would like to talk to you, she said. She turned and left, closing the door behind her. Faintly, Harry heard the choked sob. Mr. Malfoy looked up at Harry and put on a forced smile on his face. Yes, Harry, what do you need? I assumed it, just wasn't it was motivated. coming. From, I assumed it was coming from Lucius. Yeah, and Lucius was like Lucius had his like. Well, it was kind of funny because I'm picturing Lucius like with his head in his hands, and then Harry comes in and Lucius starts like sobbing. And I'm like, oh, we can edit
3: this out. We can edit this out of it's cheating, but Deathrow confirmed for me that it's Narcissa. It's Supposed to be. When Narcissa. did he see that? Oh, tonight. When I, yeah, tonight when I skyped him, seeing Ryan thinks Lucius is crying.
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. I just I read it is. I read it as it was Lucius crying, and I found that odd. But I'm kind of I'm in
1: the camp. You know, honestly, I'm in the camp that if you write it so sloppily that something else comes across, then you. You lose your right to explain it to people because
3: I think read. it's in context. Like, if I mean, you I read the can... previous two bits, where Narcissa's crying like every paragraph in that chapter, she's she like wasn't. almost she
1: was she she had been crying before, I, and then she, she just, had like, been
3: crying. She sniffled.
1: She she, she she choked back a sniffle, which means she didn't cry.
0: I think the author gets to override here because I told the story once before on the podcast. But for anyone who watches Battlestar Galactica, there's a character on the show who sees, who has like like this presence in his head. He sees this woman walking around and no one else can see her and she interacts with him. So the question going throughout the story is who is she? Is she a vision? Is she, you know, his guardian angel? Is he a chip in his head? Uh, You know, who is this person? And there's an episode where you see the guy get beat up and she is trying to tell him to stand up and fight and at one point you see her grab him by the shoulders from his perspective and lift him up and then you see everyone else's perspective and it looks like he is being pulled up by wires because there's this unseen force lifting him up and everyone who watched that thought oh my god she's actually real she's actually lifting him up because he looks so ridiculous you know like there's obviously something there holding him and then the person who created the show said um yeah I wasn't on the set that day I wouldn't have allowed that pretend you never saw that because
3: that didn't really happen. I mean, so clearly, I have, I mean, there's problems with how it's written because you know people are misinterpreting it. But I think it it was meant to be Narcissa. But clearly, I mean, it needs well, to be like a paragraph break. Yeah, the
0: part where Lucius Lucius started crying, I thought was over the top. So I'm glad to know I misinterpreted that. Um, but I really did uh, enjoy that scene, though. I just want to I, I do want to really stress that because I think that just is a fascinating way to write Lucius. I just don't know whether the hell I believe him or not, which is probably an even better scene. But um, that's all I want. I just wanted to make sure I chimed in there on that.
3: What did you think of the the Elon or Elon? I don't know how you guys say his name. Plot the, the older uh, brother because I can tell you what Deathrow told me about Elon, which I thought was interesting. All right. If I'm exactly. allowed to I'm share sure. that.
0: Yeah, go for you, it. You are, as long as it doesn't spoil, but let me just share mine because I, I know nothing about it. So I just want to see mm-hmm. how close I get. Um, with Elon was the first confirmation to me that this story would include, um, more changes to the canon than just the fact that they shook hands, which by the way, I thought was a great way to end, uh, year one with them shaking hands again. They've come full. Yeah. Set. Especially in, in Madame Malkin's too, in, uh, in, in chamber in year two. I like the fact that they shook hands and they got to see the first year that they had together. Um, I think the character of Elon is, he's like Percy Weasley, but not annoying. I think that he is a Malfoy. I think he he looks down on muggles. I think you clearly see that when he goes to Pervet Drive. Mm -hmm. I think that he is also a good guy. I feel on some level as though he is being... I want to say he's being set up, but I don't know why. I feel like he, like I feel like almost like Dumbledore wouldn't remove him from power. I feel like it's weird that Dumbledore would kick him out of the school just for that, because Dumbledore in the canon lets people, especially Slytherins, seem to get away with a lot more. Um, what I suspect will happen is I suspect we're going to see him again in, in Goblet of Fire. I suspect he'll return to Hogwarts and he'll be a very different person, having been, you know, at,
3: at Durmstrang. He'll be graduated in Goblet of Fire. Will he be you're right In the you're same, same, just Percy
1: so that means huh. that means prisoners is last year
0: yeah, you're right, uh unless he has to repeat a year, I don't know, but he has
1: to repeat a year
3: I actually well, hate him um, because of things he because Flint? of books no, Elon. Oh, okay. I hate it because of what he does in year three and I'm sure PS knows what I'm talking about. But uh Mike
0: is very upset about whatever he does. Can I just say this too? I would love to see how many years Death Road keeps Flint in the school for. I would be very interested to know that. Um That's Canada, isn't is, it.
1: Yeah, he explains it well. He he says, um this is I mean it's not really spoilery. He explains why Flint did an extra year.
3: Cool. If I, I hope that I don't mangle this and Death Road doesn't yell at me later. But if I under if I remember correctly what he said about Elon, I I I call him Elon in my head, but I'll try to stop that. Is that when he read Draco, Draco seemed like a younger brother to him. Like the just sort of in canon, like Draco seemed like sort of like a spoiled younger brother a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he thought it was logical to create an older brother character. And I think the reason he goes to – he has to go somewhere, I guess, it, um, because he's not – why is he not head boy in year three kind of thing? And, and when we start seeing more prefects, why is he not around in year three? So it's kind of oh, – and it it also explains
0: – Is contention that, that Elon was in canon and we just never saw him?
3: Well, not not anymore, but at the point he was writing this, which is – we haven't seen a lot of the Malfoy family. Um, yeah, just, I
1: mean, I would – like, coming after, um, like, Goblet or – when when was this written?
3: I think – uh, it's either right before Order of the Phoenix or right after, I can't remember. Yeah,
1: I think right after, but I think um I would buy it. I mean
3: Like not that we knew it, but that he thought it was logical. Right. We, like could. we
1: didn't we didn't know he was there. Like I mean I am of the liberal idea that if you don't know it's there, you can put it there.
3: What I also did think fit nicely too is it explains why in Canon uh, Draco's So Pro Drum Drumstrang, or however you pronounce the school's name, drums whatever. Drumstrang. Uh, drumstrang. Drumstr-
0: drumstrang and Number Thirteen Grindelwald Place.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, so it explains why he's so positive about it. But I, I, I'm I don't curious. know if I like
0: that as much because I think that's. It's like the theory and story, it's like the theory and storytelling that this big massive thing is happening, but you're always in the other room and always miss it. I don't know if I like the fact that Draco has this older brother that you just absolutely never hear of. Plus, in the canon, if he wasn't protecting Harry, why would he have been transferred in the canon if Harry was a Gryffindor? I don't like that. I I would like, I would prefer to think of it as this just in this universe. He was just always there to deal with it. You know what? Let me be right. You are right. You're right, right. Ross. Did anyone think that? Did anyone think Mike hates me? Wow. I don't hate you,
1: Ryan. You're my favorite person, period. No, uh I ship Brian Mike.
0: (laughs) You have been desperate to get rid of that little... Well, (laughs) i crocheting over in the corner. It's like,
2: oh, I like that. I had to stop. It was sad. Why'd you stop? (sighs) Because if I leave my laptop on my lap, it's going to get too warm and the fan will turn on.
3: Oh and we see Lucius flip out too a little bit. Like, angry. Yeah,
2: I really I, liked this whole I liked scene. It too. Me too. I liked this whole like domestic Malfoy bit, you know, like I'm I don't know what I think. I do understand that we were sort of, you know, we were mimicking the whole the Weasley's rescuing him and so therefore obviously we have to go to the Malfoy Manor and that's fine. But I just really liked all these little moments inside the Malfoy Manor, you know? Like, um I liked... Everything from when they first get there and they're eating breakfast the morning after they get in and and Lucius is like, don't mention muggles at the table, A-line. Yeah,
4: I uh, love that line. Like,
2: you know, munch- like, <laughs> I can totally see that. And um, uh, yeah. you have Narcissa, Golden, Draco, you know, chew your food, don't talk with your mouth full. And, you know, which I really liked because I feel like in a lot of fan fiction, you see Draco as having, like, these impeccable manners. I don't know, do you all see yeah.
3: this? I see yeah.
2: I do know. Yeah, and you know he like he's been brought up perfectly. He has perfect manners and blah blah blah. But I can totally see him as a twelve year old, you know, not. <laughs> why? <Well,
0: laughs> so really like why? Well, it was really funny because when I read, a year like Nine other. He was Eddie Haskell, and he was like, mm-hmm. "Good morning, Professor McGonagall. What, what lovely gloves you're wearing today." And meanwhile, he's thinking. Eh, for, for But I thought the one thing I actually commented on here was, because I'm still trying to understand this theory of, you know, the fandom Slytherin. The part where uh, everyone and their brother sends Harry food, and and Harry's like, I must spend my day in tomorrow and send thank you notes. And Draco's like, thank you notes? They all want thank you notes. I'm like, that is very rude manners for a Malfoy not to send thank you notes. Um, yeah. well, I, ju- I actually thought that was interesting. There were two, uh, Lucius at the dinner table scenes, as far as I can remember. There was scene one where he realized that his son, you know, just committed a felony. And there was number two where he announced that, you shall go to germ And I loved the first scene because it was, like, I think I, at one point, I even referred to him as, is in my notes, as Molly Weasley in drag. It's the, <laughs> it's the retelling of the scene when the Weasleys stole the car to save Harry, but from the Malvoy perspective. And and, you know, he absolutely flips out and he's like, now, Harry, I don't blame you, of course. You're always welcome here. My sons just need to die. And it was just like, it was like a <laughs> Malfoy version of it. I thought the scene was hysterical. And I actually thought it was, it, I liked seeing Lucius as someone who was complicated enough not to be a totally evil character. Like, Lucius in the canon to me is ducat seventh season. I prefer ducat second season. If you get the reference, you'll know what I'm
4: talking about. But
0: the <laughs> um, scene so I I didn't like the second scene where we find out that the Elon's going to germ strike because that was I am the master and my word is law scene. I'm like, oh, give me an effing break. I don't <laughs> care if like it was just it bored the hell out of me. And I was actually bored with the story until we got the Muggle Protection Act. And then I sat up again. Because it was just, you know, Malfoys are pig headed scenes and I just it didn't really add anything new to my experience. So I like Lucius actually when he's being off-canon because I just think it's if that's the direction we're going, I just think it's more interesting.
2: What did you think of um, when, I know you you mentioned briefly, um, Lucius bringing up, oh, well, why didn't I think of that with, you know, bringing in a reporter? I know you mentioned, you're like, well, why didn't you think of that? And I always, when I read it, maybe I read it um, mistakenly, but I didn't, I read it sort of in a, he may very well have thought of it, you know, like he was working out his possibilities, he hadn't figured it out yet. But-
0: why was he head desking? If that were the case, I don't think okay. he thought Harry would
3: do it.
1: Yeah, I think I think he underestimates at this point Harry's like capacity for Slytherin behavior. I think he thinks it. Yeah,
3: I think that's why it's such a crucial turning point because I think up until then he hasn't ex- really like everything he's done with Harry has kind of been totally political and like coldly sort of manipulative a little bit. Like I'm going to be friendly to Harry Potter because he is Harry Potter. But he doesn't really think of Harry Potter as a real ally yet.
0: Well, I don't know if he needs Harry to be an ally, though, because if you look at the way he's treating him, you can you can presuppose, okay, Lucius is being completely fake to Harry this whole time. He was fake to him in the beginning of Sorcerer's Stone. He was fake to him at the end of Sorcerer's Stone or year one. And he was, you know, that morning at the table, he was being fake to him again, let's assume. I would think that he could then, you know, say, well, you know, Harry, you know, we did bring you here a great personal risk to save you, and now you've ruined our lives. You think he could do an interview for me? I could see him try and manipulate Harry into doing it, and then when he discovers that Harry's actually on his side anyway, he then wouldn't need to, but I... It was weird for me to think that Lucius just wouldn't have thought that maybe Harry could be utilized at this point. That just seemed weird to me.
2: (laughs) But on the other hand, I think it's just that He's figuring out what he's going to do, and then I think the fact that you no, know, I don't. No matter what he's planning, I have no idea. No matter what he's planning, the fact that Harry volunteers this plan yeah. is the is the key part here. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I think that's a major point, and I think the fact there was a. I made a point in my notes here. Um, Harry chooses to lie in the interview. He makes the conscious choice to take the bait to set up Dumbledore and to to be truthful yeah. about what happened with the Dursleys but he also lies about Elon and the, the mask.
3: mask and he looks Lucius first doesn't he like he looks at that's a glass. choice
0: you no, know, that's very important. But all I'm saying too, I don't want to be misunderstood. If you have Lucius Malfoy at the perspective, you know, at the point now where he may be seen as a felon, and his kids may be carried off to Azkaban because you're accused of kidnapping someone who is very happily sitting in your living room, you know, what I mean, you. you I never thought of maybe asking you to explain you weren't That, like, that just seemed like a little, you know, it was, plus I thought he was crying immediately prior there. So I was actually picturing Lucius, you know, dressed up as Molly Weasley in that scene. It just seemed like the characterization was weird, but I'm fine with it. You know, if, if it's a where Lucius is actually like Tony Soprano, if he's a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy, but he's a bad guy. I mean, uh, I'm, I actually would be interested in that. I would actually probably prefer that in this story. But that one line about... I
3: of that. Could it be maybe... I'm just, I am I could be totally stupid because I'm just thinking up top of my head here because Ryan's making me think in a good way. Could it be maybe that he was afraid that if he went to Harry, Harry sort of stole the Gryffindor image of Harry. Like Harry wouldn't lie to the reporter when she asked the obvious question about the masks.
1: That's what I think. Um, I think Lucius is still like trying to... To wrap his head around that Harry isn't Slytherin.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, you know, very well could be. I think there probably might be a way around that. I was taking it, too, that the major issue wasn't the mask itself, and maybe I'm misreading the plot. I took it that you could always claim, you know what, he was trying to scare the muggles. I thought the, the focus of the argument was the muggles were tremendously mistreating Harry, and they went there to save him. And, you know, they did it in a bad way, but they had good intentions kind of thing. So not, well, I guess, I'm
3: is impersonating is is a death Eater a crime? Like, like if like if they were going as death Eaters, yeah. wouldn't that be, yeah. like, Azkaban? I, crime I, I
1: don't Earth? know if it's... Yeah, a crime, I mean, it's probably, like, in bad taste. Like, I almost see this as being, like, if Alon had dressed up as a clan member. Yeah,
2: hey, Mike, might... are the college students getting rambunctious?
3: There's about 50 people, it sounds like they're just coming in through the door. If they don't quiet down in 30 seconds, I'll go yell at them and make them... <laughs> oh, this'll be interesting. Can we keep this on the podcast? This'll be awesome. If you if you want, I'll go and yell at them right now, quite frankly. Yeah, do it. Well, my, Mike, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, buddy. If you gotta give me like a thirty seconds to grab a pen and paper, then I'll go out and I don't know if you'll even hear me, but I'll.
0: What's the purpose of the pen and paper?
3: So I, can, I write all their names down. And they get in trouble with uh, the dean and whatnot. Oh, Mike, they seem very rambunctious. I'd I fear for safety here. I think. Can you guys still hear them? Not sounds, like they, sounds like they're leaving. No. If they're still noising, ten seconds, I'll go do it. It sounds, like, it sounds like they're walking out, like a bunch of drunk people leaving their dorm. <laughs> You won't believe some of the weird things I have to deal with in this job, though.
1: I love it. You have to, I love it when you tell me dorm stories. See, I've
2: never well, like, lived in a dorm. I'll, I'll give you one
3: quick example. Yeah. Like, it's the same example I told P.S. from the other day. You're not allowed to have dogs on campus, right? So I, I get a, you're, not, you're not allowed to have any dogs on campus
2: Oh, thank on you. On you they were allowed. No,
3: no. Uh, so I get I get a call from one of my people telling me there's balconies in some of the dorms. That there's a dog on the balcony, like a big Rottweiler. So I go, okay, I'm coming up. And I get there, and the RA is standing outside, and they say they they just put the dog inside. So I go, okay, I'm going to go up. And I go up, and I go, okay, guys, I have a report. You have a dog here. Dogs aren't allowed on campus. You have to get it out of here right away. And they all go, what? Dog? There's no dog here. And I'm like, you mind if I take a look around? Sure. Don't go right ahead. Look around. Every single door is open except one door, which is locked. I go, Why is this door locked? Oh, the person who lives here isn't here. And I'm like, guys, we saw a dog in your balcony. We know there's a dog here. If you come out and tell me that's a dog, we can just get rid of it and move on with our lives. If you make this... Why bang on the door and wait for the dog to bark? You lied to me, you're going to be trouble. I did that. Dog was, I guess, well-trained. It didn't bark. And they go, no, no, no dog. And I, so I flip up my phone, and I start dialing numbers like, who are you calling? And I'm like, I'm calling security so they can come and open this door and look inside the room. I make sure there's no dog inside. And so I'm like, oh, wait, wait, don't do that. Don't do that. And then, of course, there's a dog inside the room. Like, I'm an idiot. I don't realize there's a dog in the place. Where did it go? It just magically vanished in, like, 10 seconds. And so, yeah, that's the story. People think Mike I'm an should
1: idiot. be a cop.
0: Can I just say this? I am, like, with every passing day, more and more impressed with Mike's logical reasoning skills. And, like, I feel like he was having an off day with the male pregnancy in the Quidditch match, and we just got a bad first impression of him. But I just have to tell you, he's running circles around me these last few days. Okay, um, you guys want to just jump back into the chapters a little bit? Yeah, sure. Before we left off. I have no uh, idea where we
2: left. I'm going to jump back in with Rita Skeeter.
4: Yes, okay. Rita Skeeter.
2: Okay. So I really thought this was an interesting scene because A, we get to see Rita Skeeter a little bit early um, Mm -hmm. earlier than we do in the canon and also she's a very different, she comes off very differently than she does in the original canon and I wanted to talk about this because there's, well, at least two things that could possibly be going on here. The first thing is, maybe we're re-envisioning her. I don't know. Um, I don't think so, but it's possible. Other options are perhaps I mean, we already know that Lucius basically called her, gave her the scoop, sort of told her what he wanted, because she's definitely asking leading questions towards what he wants for his political agenda. So, I mean, she's been coached beforehand for sort of what to say. So maybe she's coming across this way because, you know, this is the way she's been coached to come across. I don't know. And the third option I can think of is maybe the way she's coming across is simply because in the canon we don't see her until the triwizard cup and she's looking for scandal here she's already got scandal but harry's not on the receiving end of it you know instead it's these muggles who are at the receiving end of the scandal and so she's just nicer simply because she's not her victim of the moment
3: Uh, yes i I agree with amy i think it's partially that you know it's sort of her harry and malfoy are all on the same side pulling for the same goal. Like, I think if maybe if Harry had been different in and canon Goblet of Fire and, like, wanted to tell her stories, she probably would have gotten along great with Harry, you know. I think it's the fact that Harry wants to tell her stuff. And there's even a moment, I think, where he's, like, he snaps at her and he stops himself He goes, like, why am I snapping at her? She's trying to help me. And Yeah. yeah.
0: She's a perfectly wonderful person. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, when you look at the, the way she's written in the story, I mean... When you even look at her in the story, there's like a moment where she, where Rita and Lucius engaged in five minutes of meaningless small talk. Oh, I'll see. You You know what I mean? It's like at the very end where you can tell she's backing out the door and they keep trying to out one line each other. And like (laughs) that's annoying as hell, but that's Rita Skeeter. That's annoying as hell. I think Gryffindor Harry would get really pissed at that because he would just see it as asinine. Whereas this reader, that's kind of like how the world goes around. You know, are they both telling each other what they actually think? Are they both being faked to some degree? you know, is it like, oh, hi, how are you? So good to see you again. And really, you're thinking, I hate you. Why am I pretending? Why am I just walk away? So I didn't know how much subtext there was there, but I definitely do think that because of the way the plot arranged itself, it, you, they were both in in a situation where Harry, being at his most comfortable level, was exactly what Rita needed, so there was no conflict between the characters. And Harry even does go above and beyond. He does really throw Dumbledore under the bus, not directly stated and so far i'm very surprised that it's not directly stated that it's dumbledore who's thrown under the bus i thought that was the whole point i thought the whole point was to remove dumbledore's as headmaster as a result of him leaving harry with the jerseys and have that be the big political firestorm so i'm actually surprised that didn't happen but i thought that was definitely very plausible because of the way the interview went
3: i think that might be part of your answer in the missing scenes there's a missing the missing scene is Fudge, Dumbledore, and Malfoy all sort of grappling with each other um, politically. And I was, I was going to say, too, something which occurred to me when I was rereading this is this this might also explain something which always struck me as a little odd in canon is that we know Draco knows that she's in Animagus because he talks to her as a fly. And why does she trust him with that? And this could maybe be kind of like an explanation for why she trusts Draco yeah. Showing, Her- showing Draco, she's an illegal anime sneaking on campus.
0: Family okay, friend, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's it's weird because you don't know how much of this is, um, re. It's, it's it's a theme I think we keep hitting tonight. How much of this is reconstructed? How much of this is canon based? So it's kind of like the, uh it's kind of like the answer that keeps on giving. I just realized the PS's Skype messages. PS ships Mike Ryan. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh,
3: man. I'm, I'm just, no matter how it goes, I'm, I'm in all of these, but that's everything. Yes,
0: Mike is being shipped with someone. Mike will not be alone by the end of the day, apparently, is our general theme here.
2: I wanted to touch upon, I know you had already mentioned the fact that, uh, you have, why is, why is, um Dumbledore kicking Elon out? And... Mm-hmm. My sort of viewpoint on that was I sort of felt that it wasn't like a, oh, well, he dressed up like a Death Eater, so I'm going to whatever. I mean, as far as he knew, how is he to know that Elon did not support the junior Death Eater type belief you know? And the fact that Harry comes out, you know, and is convinced by Lucius to make this statement, um... For the paper and everything that says, oh, no, of course they weren't wearing Death Eater robes and masks. And of course, and he covers it all up and he, you know, talks to Fudge and he makes his connections and he makes it all, you know, wonderful. And the fact that he's covering everything up, the fact that his son was dressed like a Death Eater, to me, that would sound very, I mean, like from this perspective, we're like, oh, we know it's not that. But from Dumbledore's perspective, how is he to know that it isn't something more sinister, that this that Elon isn't a danger to the rest of the Hogwarts community?
0: Well, how does Dumbledore explain that? I'm, I'm assuming, does he just say, I just, I just you, know, you know, laterally expel you? Well, then he have to show,
3: I'm, I'm expelling you because you're a junior Death Eater. Well, prove it. You know, it was... Psh, 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 he has know. a witness. He has Mrs. Um, What's-Her-Face across the street who sees what happens. Mm-hmm. That's how he finds out Mrs. what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But I guess my
0: my issue with it was, would Miss Fig be? in you know, what I mean, I'm looking from the political perspective, which is like why and Dumbledore.
3: Yeah, I guess I'm I'm debating whether it's okay to say the missing scene from later now. I guess it sort it sort of applies to this discussion. Okay, That's a good um, and I, I'll only correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't reread it yet, so it's been a little while but as i seem to remember it they basically they they sort of make a compromise cuz it's kind of like Lucius wants to go after Dumbledore and sort of like attack him and take him down two pegs but Fudge is still sympathetic to Dumbledore and Dumbledore want, has this witness that saw Elon wearing the mask and so he's going to try to use that to get you know it's, it's sort of like Lucius is using the Harry thing and Dumbledore's using the mask thing and Fudge sort of forges this compromise where he's like okay, we're not going to talk about, we're not going to get Dumbledore in specific trouble here, and we're not going to mention Elon wearing the mask, but Elon's going to leave Hogwarts for a year, and then when he comes back, we will drop all charges, and there'll be no mention of charging him for with being a Death Eater or a junior Death Eater. And so it's sort of like this political compromise they forge. Okay, that actually does make a lot of sense, though. I
2: actually like that. Yeah. It was definitely a, a political expedient. Type
0: of thing. Yeah. Well, then I'm all for it. I mean, yeah, it's politics.
2: It's great that... when I look over
0: my notes and I can't remember what the hell I was thinking when I wrote them. Um, <laughs> Harry's going to leave the Dursleys. He's had just. I like that, too, that Harry, just as a result of being around the Slytherins for the first year and hearing about how awful muggles are, he's with the Dursleys for a few weeks. They're so not particularly out of the ballpark bad to him, and he's like, I must leave. I, I will send <laughs> an owl to Snape and chase it on my broom. Oh, um, was I the, one little moment. No, go
3: ahead. Was I the only one, too, with the missing homework that thought that might be Dobby, or was I missing something?
1: Oh, yeah, I, I thought it was not know where
2: Dobby. that was going. I, I
3: thought, thought it was Dobby. I thought Dobby, was, I
1: thought I thought Dobby was, was trying to get, you know, Dobby couldn't really um do anything big because Draco's there, so he was just trying to, like, steal Harry's homework and get him maybe expelled.
4: Very
0: was I the only one that when Harry and Draco and Elan leave Privet Drive and they associate the woman with the house with all the paint peeling off it was obviously Arabella Figg watching them fly away? Was I the only one that wondered why Vernon and Petunia Dursley would allow their nephew to be babysat by the... Per- like, why would they associate with a woman whose house wasn't freshly painted? Because they want Harry to be miserable. Because why would they hire the woman? Because then they'd have to go to her house to drop them off, <laughs> and the, you know, the, the paint, and their scene in front of it. I picture Hyacinth Bucket at this point. <laughs> I just thought that was... It's, it's
4: bouquet. It's bouquet. C
0: K E T. It's bouquet. Um, I have... Draco's not the Bible thumper written down here. I'm assuming at one point Draco... I remember Draco mentioned the Bible at one point.
2: So, oh yes, I mean, the Leviathan. What was,
0: oh, what, was that where the context
2: the, there was a fountain in the Malfoy Manor or on the ground of a Leviathan, uh, which is a sea serpent, and he says, you know, Oh the Bible says that, you know, it was this evil blah blah blah, but that wasn't true. I mean they were big serpents and, and stuff, but they weren't so bad. I mean, like, they were okay. And he says, You talk about them as if if you they are they are extinct. Oh well they have been since seventeen oh six or something.
3: I think it was I mean, 10,076. I, I don't know. Whatever. check what year was whatever. it? Check but yeah, was. they're
2: talking about uh, magical beasts.
3: What year was it? Well, it um, definitely makes more sense. Good?
2: I had an interesting point on chapter four. We see Harry try flu powder for the first time. And I really mm-hmm. thought this was interesting because for the most part, most of the changes we've been seeing have been consequences of changes that have already been made. If that makes sense? Mm-hmm. So, like, Elon goes to Durmstrang. Well, okay, that's not so weird because we didn't have Elon in the first place. You know, like, <laughs> right. there's there's changes like that where you're like, okay, well, Harry's in Slytherin, so this changes and this changes. And, this. and then, you know, these cascading changes. Um, but for the most part, he keeps tying back in canon. I thought it was an interesting choice that the first time Harry does the floop powder, right, to mm-hmm. go to um Diagon Alley. I thought he was going to once again end up in the wrong place, but no, he does it perfectly. And every other time, he keeps doing it perfectly, and he never has this problem where he ends up in sketchy Nocturnal
3: He does, though, doesn't he? Once was there one? Yeah, no, he... next blue. next book, next book. He um he want wind... we can edit this out, but next book he winds up in the same shop. Uh, what do they call him? Right. P.S. Burgen and, and Block.
2: Burgin and Burks.
3: Yeah, he was. He winds up there. Remember, and Malfoy comes in and sort of. He just he goes there. Year three, not year two,
2: is the mm-hmm. only. But I just thought it interesting because I, I understand. I, I have a theory. Mm. What's the
3: theory?
1: I think because Harry's more confident in the Wizarding world. He's more confident in his wizardness in this he's able to do the flu correctly.
3: Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I like buy that. buy into
0: that because that makes a lot of sense to me. I like mm-hmm. that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I just want to jump back. A scene to Lucius and Harry. Harry asks Lucius if he was there the night his parents died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Elan mm-hmm. and, 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 and Draco are very forthcoming with the fact that our father used to be a death either. And that was the moment I really sat up and I read that. I'm like, oh because Mm -hmm. the the first thing that jumped out to me is Lucius was admitting he was a Death Eater, whereas in the canon, he's, you know, attempting to show off that, you know, I was under the Imperius curse. How how dare you suggest such a thing? I would never be a Death Eater, blah, 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 blah. In this one, he's kind of like a Reformed Death Eater, like he goes to group therapy.
2: (laughs) the other thing is, too, it's not like he's saying it to the press.
3: Yeah. I wouldn't go so far as to say he's Reformed, because, like, he's still dropping the the diary off. I mean... Well, I guess he's a reformed Voldemort supporter, but he's still kind of... Because doesn't he say, am I, am I imagining it, but doesn't he say in, in this that it's something like, um, yeah, I got into it because he had the right ideas, but he just went crazy? isn't that his excuse? I think,
0: the kids say it yeah it's it's Draco's it. excuse it's Draco's rationale and you're like none other. And i think that's great i think that's very um i think that's very plausible and i think that's very um complicated the way it's written i, I think that's a great thing
4: yeah
0: yeah I, don't know, I just i just i do think that was just an interesting moment too because i think that with, with harry i really liked it when harry asks that question because the ability of Lucius to convince me that he is actually not an evil person. He is a bigoted person. He mm-hmm. has done very evil acts, but the fact that he is reformed, that matters. Mm-hmm. And I think mean, if he can convince me of that, he's, he's a much more interesting character for it. But I'm not there yet.
4: But we'll you see. Do you think he's I
0: supposed know. to be reformed, Ryan? I, th- do I, are you asking me, do I think that he really wanted to leave the Death Eaters, but was looking for
3: no, a day, no. and then, I guess what I'm getting at is, I, I almost think there's a difference between being reformed as a person and just and just saying like, "I wish I wasn't with Voldemort. I wish I wasn't with the Death Eaters." Because I don't think is like giving the diary and the Muggleborn act. That's not a re- Those aren't the acts of a reformed person. It's kind of like you know, he's reformed all, from Voldemort. He's reformed from Voldemort, right? But he's not reformed Very, as a no. person.
0: Yeah. I think the fact that he prioritizes his family over anything else gives him more humanity. And I think even just a touch more humanity, he's more interesting of a character.
2: I really like the fact that, specifically, the one who brings that up is Draco. Elon doesn't bring it up, although he does join in the conversation mm-hmm. after um, Draco brought it up. Because, obviously, I Lucius to come out and said, Hey, by the way, you <laughs> know, I was once his death eater. You know, like, if he had said that, I would have either been upset by the characterization, or be saying, what is he thinking? You know, what is he plotting? And if you want to come across that there may possibly be some redeeming qualities for Lucius, I think it had to come from Draco, because he's the only one who's close enough to Harry to be willing to share this information
4: mm-hmm. you
2: know he's the only one who is willing to break that and then you know Elon adds some details but he's not the one who breaks the topic and when Lucius when he when Harry goes in he brings up the topic to Lucius um Lucius first thing he says is you know my son talk too much <laughs> you know so I just thought that makes sense to me yeah. um and I would have been really suspicious had it gone any other way okay I've got one more point you can go on with whatever you like after that Okay, I at least tell you fact I have two, but we can only do one now. Um I thought it was sort of weird on the train when, after reading the newspaper article and seeing that they may be cutting misuse of a muggle artist, be willing to share this information. Mm-hmm. You know he's the only one who is willing to break that, and then you know Elon adds some details, but he's not the one who breaks the topic. And when Lucius, when he, when Harry goes in, he brings up the topic to Lucius. Um, Lucius, first thing he says is, you know, my son.
0: Yeah. I think Ron is universally seen as like the bastard child in this universe. Like, I don't think there's anyone who's really fond of Ron. There's even the, the point in the last of the chapters where some of the, uh, Ravenclaws, where Padma Paddle and some of the others were just starting to come on to, you know, good terms with the Slytherins.
3: Um. Yeah, the um, Slytherins aren't the isolated house as much in this. Right. It's pretty much the Gryffindors that's pretty much on at the top of the list. I think what, it, I think you have, it's like a pure blood. It's, it's more of like pure bloods and not pure bloods. Mm-hmm. And like all the pure bloods for the most part, you know, I, I think that's sort of like, and the fact that the Weasleys are quote, blood traitors, I think stands out more. Cause it's like all the pure bloods are good, great friends except the Weasleys. And and maybe the, I guess there isn't there a line to where, which I, I like a lot. I was going to ask Ryan what he thought of it when you, well, first it starts off with, um, them picking on Hermione and Harry sort of questioning it a little bit in his head. And then there's the bit where he goes, well, there's only two purebloods in all of Hufflepuff in our year. I wonder how they manage and how they get along with the non-purebloods in that house. Which I thought was like, oh, Harry, you're finally thinking a little bit about this, aren't you? Very little. <laughs> Very <laughs> little, but a little. Okay. Really okay. little I'm
1: little.
2: kind of confused about what you mean. He was well, daydreaming during um History of Magic.
3: Yeah, it's like Hermione actually has friends, and wow, I'm shocked she has friends. And then he goes like, there's two purebloods apparently in Hufflepuff House in this year. And I don't know if that's in canon or not, but there's two purebloods. And he's trying to wonder, like, I wonder how on earth do they actually interact with non-purebloods? How does this work in Hufflepuff House?
0: because he has the very narrowly defined uh, yeah. views of what, what pure purebloods do versus what halfbloods do. Yeah, I mean, I want to see more of that. I want to see Harry break down that fourth wall. I want to see Harry think about the consequences of his actions. And on some level, I can't call it on other character, you know, for the canon, because Harry doesn't ask questions about his parents for seven years. I mean, you
4: know, <laughs>
0: he, he, you know, he's a blockhead, so sometimes blockheads do stupid things. I mean, I just think that the character needs to go there. He needs to start questioning his friends himself or else he's no longer Harry Potter and I think...
3: Th- I don't think you're going to see that in this year. Oh, I don't yeah. think you see that until the mor- he's starts getting exposed to his parents' friends. Then he starts questioning. Yeah. that he gets exposed to the other viewpoint.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, we just need to have changes. We just need to have.
1: That's what I was going, going to
0: go on about yeah. earlier.
1: That he's gonna be exposed to meet people that can tell him about his parents, and he's probably gonna have. Like I don't, I don't honestly believe. I mean, when I said that he was gonna have like a, a 360 rev, like revelation. 180. I, you mean, I, 180. Whatever. He was going to. I was. that was pretty much joking. But yeah,
3: he's not going have
1: that. I don't think. But I, but I do think he's to go- gonna um have something of a something's gonna I mean I think
3: to win so- in this scenario he needs some sort of alliance between like I like I don't think if he if he's just with like you know like even let's say the Malfoys and the Knots support him. You know, I don't think just like half of Slytherin House, the half that doesn't go with Voldemort is enough to win this form, I think in order to succeed he has to sort of form this bridge between the Slytherins that are loyal to him and the Gryffindors that are like the old order of the Phoenix we love Dumbledore sort of people.
0: I mean that's what I want to see from the chapters ahead I mean I want to see the fact that you know not only are the Slytherins rubbing off on Harry Harry is rubbing off on the Slytherins they've already agreed not to torment Neville maybe they'll do the same for Hermione I think that when you get into book 6 book 7 you're going to see a Harry who has changed the dynamic very much and maybe it will be safer this way for them maybe he will be more powerful this way I mean I think that's important it needs to progress and show how everyone is impacted by where Harry is and Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm very interested to see that, and I am interested to see variations on these characters. And I think what will become easier for me as we go into the last two uh, podcasts on the Cans is that I will become more used to this universe, so it will be more apparent to me when it is something that is out of character versus just what it you know, was planned for this universe. Because I think that's a fair thing. I think you have to be able to judge what feels right. And you just I think I'm just getting to know the universe, so maybe I'm not quite there yet. I think Molly just- sent Harry Pot Molly sent Harry Pot roast. I just can't stress that enough. Molly sent Harry Pot roast. What's you didn't care, you know what I, think- liked- I would have liked to see? I really would like to see Harry send a thank you note to Molly. And Molly probably hates Harry to this point because she hears stories from Ron all the time about him. I would really like to see People start to come around to Harry. Weasley start to come around to Harry because they actually see him. But for that to work, he actually has to stop being an ass for five minutes. So we
3: need to work on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, well, that, that'll be My favorite app.
3: thing to imagine is, like, what are Remus and Sirius thinking when they see this Harry? Like, what's yeah. going through their mind? Like, oh, they're probably like, oh, my God, James is rolling over. Yeah, I want to whack
0: him on the face and say, James and Lily would be ashamed of you. And just yeah. see you
3: know, oh! <laughs> like can you imagine what they must be thinking.
1: James is spinning, <laughs>
3: <laughs> which is probably why Snape likes this, Harry. <laughs> well, what would be very interesting too is there was a scene when we covered.
0: Um in Walsh's Dangerverse series, there was a scene in one of her follow-up fics, I think it was a one-shot, I can't remember where it was, where it's an AU version of the canon, and those characters get to, they see the real canon universe, and they think it's this awful place, because everyone's in terrible you know, conditions. It'd be very interesting to have a fic right where the trio sees this universe, and it's like, oh my
4: god! <laughs> oh
0: my god. So, yeah, I think that'd be kind of funny. So, I'm very interested. I'm very intrigued. I'm, you know, you, for someone like me who's reading a little bit outside their comfort zone, when you see the you know, the ship and the, and the type of story it is, you're always nervous in the beginning. But I'm very, I'm, I'm very impressed with where the story's going. I think it's very bold. I think it, um, it is definitely changing some some of the permanent characters. It's changing Lucius Malfoy. My issue is just, I need to know how much it's changing, and hopefully, I'll know that by the next
3: episode. I wonder if anyone agrees with me, but I always think of this story as being, not that there's no, not that it's not character driven, but I think, I think of it as being more of sort of a cerebral fic where its strength is it makes you think and like, sort of like, like, like look at all the discussions we've had versus I guess, yeah. some of the other fics where it's clearly about relationships or emotion. I, I don't know if I'm describing it well, but it seems like almost like sort of a different genre in terms of mm-hmm. not just thought, but how it's, written
0: yeah i mean yes i mean you are i mean there's some issues i have to the with the method of how it's written too there's some things i would improve there's some things i might do a little bit differently but um i think that for in terms of discussion for what we do in this podcast the fix that we talk about the most and have the best discussions on are the ones that we are least likely to possibly start out reading they're the different ones they're not you know the the typically you know Routine fanfiction about Harry and Ginny coming together—it's—it's it's a little bit different, and I think that inspires debate and discussion, which is a good thing.
1: My so. God, I am still pulling for Harry Ginny in this fic because it's, it's possible. possible. Yes, yes, I totally. No, I mean, it really is possible no, when you finish, Mike. If Mike says it's possible,
3: I mean, I, I think Mike it's either going to be Harry, four,
0: Big, He is the expert.
3: Yeah, it's either going to be Harry Ginny, I think, or Harry Blaze. In all honesty, yes, it it's going to be wonderful. I think Harry, Harry Blaze like, slash Cannon Shippers so like yes, and I think also the so, most my favorite line from my favorite thing that Ryan said, or my favorite thing period that Ryan happened to say for like the most spot on and makes me think is uh, from all these podcasts is that Lucius Malfoy is Tony Soprano. <laughs> you said really, that. Really you, like,
2: so,
3: you said that. I didn't say my, that.
1: Ryan said that. I copied it from Ryan. Ryan said
3: that. Well, okay. Yeah. Maybe. No, Mike had Mike had typed it to me, so I stole it. When, Did I type it to you? Oh, that, well, that, well, okay. Well, you said it, though.
0: You so. heard it now. Mike, his, Mike's head has gotten so
4: I big, Mike's favorite
0: moment of the said. podcast
3: was something he said. Yeah. So. Well, I was trying to
0: compliment him. have <laughs> just kept quiet and go, oh, thank you so much. The end of the last chapter was the one where Snape switched the discussion to centaurs, which is most likely a reference to Arthur Weasley, that push Ron's buttons, which I thought was kind of a cool... There was one I just remember thinking that's weird. Any final thoughts that you guys want to make sure you got out
4: there? (laughs) Good night everybody! Good night! Good night! So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to a lie.
1: Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.